So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. My name's Hunter, and I am most pleased to be back celebrating HHN 25. So it's been a long time coming, but part two of 25 is about to happen right now. We got it all. We got Freddy. We got Jason. We got zombies in a pool tub. We got uh, David from An American Werewolf in London. Look, we've got everything that you could possibly want to hear about 25. And plus, let's be honest, scare zones are cool, shows are cool, but the houses are where it's at. Because I cannot discuss the houses alone, with me tonight, I have my good friend, co-host, road trip partner, (laughs) um, the director to my usher, uh, Shelby, what's going on? Uh, when was the last time I talked to you? Was it like a year ago? I feel like it's been a year. I feel like it's been a minute, um, <laughs> at least for Catacombs. We had that whole road trip um, that we did not talk about on Catacombs because it was not <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights related. It's still spooky, but at, at some point we'll talk about it. But yeah, that was it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our Netherworld trip was great. I think we mentioned a little bit in our HHN uh light uh retrospective or or look back finale review however you want to look at it (laughs) but you know the folks have been waiting this is this is technically part two i'm kind of counting the interview i did with patrick as kind of like a one and a half (laughs) because that we got to kind of delve into jack and um Patrick kind of gave us a little bit of the backstory on going into 25 and the motivation of that. But it's super exciting to be back. Like I said, the houses are the main thing that all of us think about. So I'm excited to break these down with you. Yeah, they're literally the main event. Oh, totally. Uh, Now, it is funny because you and I, it's been a while, but you and I did a whole episode talking about Jack Presents 25 Years of Monster and Mayhem for HHN at Home back in September. So we did a whole hour long episode of that (laughs) one house by itself. I guarantee you that was like the perfect house to talk about in such big detail. We're probably not going to give an hour to any of these houses, (laughs) but um, I'll I'll remind you folks again, but if you want kind of like a taste of what we're about to get into, go check out that one. Yeah. There's a couple houses on this list that you and I could probably go on for a very long time, but hopefully we won't go on too long. Absolutely. Well, so what we've got here is we are just going to go in the map order. Um, So we're actually going to start at Jack Presents and then ultimately end up at Asylum in Wonderland 3D. So just make a nice little circle around the park. First episode was all about scare zones. You want to hear about that? Go on back, check that out. And uh, I guess without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to HHN 25. Pop it up. 
So starting right off at uh, Soundstage 21, we have Jack Presents 25 Years of Monsters of Mayhem. Like I said, we kind of already talked, well, not even kind of, we totally <laughs> talked about this one in excruciating detail. This is one of the last announcements that we got before the event started that year because it was on August 27th of, of course, 2015. And this was the Icon House. This was the big house that was promoted kind of as the marquee original thing alongside Jack stage show. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back, it would have been a lot cooler if uh, they had put it in Shrek. Like it kind of like melded into that scare zone next to the show. Oh, sure. And in that sound stage, it all would have blended in seamlessly. But that was back when, oh God, this was the first year they used Shrek for a house, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So they they quite they didn't quite nail it down uh, where to put the queue entrance quite yet. So, and I also think just like from the entrance zone with the giant rotating pillars and a, a bunch of the other elements that were in here, it really needed the full dedicated space of a soundstage. But I really love that idea of it kind of serving as the entrance to the icons alley section over in Hollywood that year. Oh yeah, for sure. That was even before they moved the entrance back away from minions uh, down to uh, that stage area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was, uh, I believe we had that one more year with American horror story the next year, and then they ended up shuffling it down. But uh, yeah, so soundstage 21, um, this house did go on to win house of the year deservedly so i mean there was a lot of heavy hitters but arguably its biggest competition was house of the year back at 23 we'll talk about that very soon (laughs) um but yeah like i said we talked about this one in a lot of detail uh jack presents 25 years of monsters and mayhem so you know we we kind of hit it all last time whether that's the various icon occlusions scary tales the universal monsters incorporating the final jack mannequin statue scare room um broke that all down but was there anything that you and i did not talk about previous that we really need to talk about this time um not that i can honestly think of uh then again it was a while ago since we did talk about it um what do you you think hunter do you have any uh lingering thoughts well, I, I thought it would be appropriate to just go through the list of all the houses that were represented, um, just because we had everything from the Hallow, uh, Scary Tales, mm-hmm. uh, the Forsaken, Scream House, Dead End, Legendary Truth, the Wyandotte Estate, Universal's House of Horrors, Silver Screams, Castle Vampire, Gothic, Nightingale's Blood Prey, Havoc, Dogs of War, Psychoscarapy, Home for the Holidays, and Leave it the Cleaver. Which is a pretty good range of houses. Um, You and I have talked about previously about how important this house was to you and I, just because this was kind of our our foray into the Halloween Horror Nights history that we had been studying and had been aware of, but kind of got the impression that we would not be able to see it unless it was in the frame of a compilation house like this. Yeah, for sure. Um, this, uh, This house and including the scare zone with the icons kind of surmised past years that you and I didn't really get to see. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think they were very smart because this is a good range of houses. I think as far as what they're representing, not only do they hit the major properties, I would say the biggest exclusion is probably going to be 
um, leaving out Shady Brook and the body collectors. And uh, I wonder why they would do that. I guess we'll talk <laughs> about that in a little bit. You know, those are the the two big two that are kind of excluded from the the HHN lore, but they really hit some big ones. Um, for instance, I before I even got a chance to see it, I was absolutely enthralled with the idea of Gothic. And that was that was just a year that for all the complaints about HHN 22, people loved Gothic. And I'm like, man, gargoyles and a church. This is freaking awesome. But I thought I would never see it. So the fact that they kind of melded this into the universal monsters section of the house. So cool. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. It, it's almost a perfect house. Almost. There's some some parts of it that you and I don't quite like. And we kind of discussed it in the last episode, but it is nearly a perfect house. Yeah, there's some weird inclusions. Like, for instance, I think Havoc Dogs of War is kind of like a weird one to toss in there. Mm -hmm. Not because that house doesn't have a reputation. It's just like, okay, well, it does skew a little bit more recent. The oldest house in here was Universal's House of Horror, which was, if I remember correctly, 1995. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing with that is that's just the Universal Monsters. So it could technically be any monster's house, right? Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, most of these houses are in kind of that 2010 to uh, 2013 mark, give or take. Um, So it's it's relatively new. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like it's I I keep bringing up that we've already kind of discussed this, but um, it's a way for fans like you and I who haven't experienced past years to kind of see like a almost like a teaser trailer to two years that we didn't get to see and it's it's really cool um especially uh for me being being able to go into the trenches of nightingale that i really wanted to do yeah and uh never got to do so being able to like experience it in small snippets was uh was really cool for sure for sure nightingales is one of the major ones that one is like right up there with gothic as far as what i remember mm-hmm. um Of course, shout out to our favorite boy uh, over with the Phantom of the Opera for having (laughs) legitimately one of the scariest moments in the houses or in this house. Just nailed me every single time. Um, I guess the only other one that I'd really mention is just the way that they incorporated the icons. I just thought was really cool. And I guess what this house really started for me is it was so memorable as far as like the set design that over the last couple years of going and just really, really getting familiar with Frequent Fear, notating kind of like, oh, it's the same set design as last year, but it never feels like repeated in the mm-hmm. sense of, oh my goodness, I like I'm tired of walking through here. Kind of like, I mean, not to go too far off, but Universal Monsters heavily pulled from Scary Tales Deadly Ever After the year before. Mm-hmm. But the way that they utilized that setup made it feel unique. And I think that's something that this house really set in mind for me because I remember um, the scare or the scare taker, the caretaker's <laughs> room, <laughs> excuse me, the caretaker's room. And with that infamous mirror gag where he looks yeah. so far away and then he pops out right in front of you. They reuse that at HHN 27 in the asylum section of American horror story. Yeah. So this house is so distinct in my memory that I remembered the setups I only had the chance to go through this house one time during my time at HHN 25 and it still sticks with me. Yeah. He's got to work smart, not hard. That's exactly right. Well, here, why don't we go ahead and move on into something that was so important to you and I. Oh, geez. And uh, this is something that we missed the first go around of 
well, HHN 23, because it was a little bit before our time, but I, I've told the story before. I won't tell it again. Go back and listen to five favorite houses of the last five years. If you want the full breakdown, this house was critical into getting me into Halloween Horror Nights. Yep. Same. Uh, your first year was 25. Mine was 24. So we both barely missed this house. And I was so angry because I remember my boyfriend went during 23 and was telling me about it. And I was so mad. But I was like when they announced it for 25, I I can just remember how happy I was. I was uh, like freaking out. I was like a little kid during Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But uh, if you haven't picked up on it, of course, <laughs> we're talking about an American werewolf in London. The description is step into John Landis's landmark 1981 horror classic from the attack on the English Moors to the bone crunching transformation. It's one of the most popular houses in Halloween Horror Nights history. And I think that is I mean, that's as good of a place to start as any. The whole reason this came back is this was the highest rated single house in the event's history at that time. So the entrance to this was, of course, the Music Plaza Courtyard. It was located in Soundstage 22. Uh, of course, the Music Plaza Courtyard is right in front of Rip Ride Rocket. Uh, one of the most infamous waiting areas, uh, I think, during our time at Halloween Horror Nights, just because that is usually the big marquee house, whether that is mm -hmm. The Exorcist, The Shining, so on, um, Ghostbusters. Stranger Things, I, I think I've hit them all at this point, <laughs> even though I just meant to do one or two. Um, but this was the most nerve-wracking Halloween Horror Nights queue that I had ever gone through. Uh, my first night of Halloween Horror Nights, um, I was a wreck. I was so nervous <laughs> because I had never done any of this haunt stuff. But An American Werewolf in London was just enough of a pull to make me excited. But like waiting in that queue visibly shaking like i was not ready i knew the reputation i had covered halloween horror nights on my previous podcast for several years at that point i'd seen all the walkthroughs dug it but i was like oh my god i'm gonna have to like walk <laughs> through this thing and um to recap my my long story make it short my my thought process was if i go through this thing and hate it at least i got to see a visual representation of one of my favorite horror movies one of my favorite movies i think it's a perfect film just like oh, you yeah. do and uh just absolutely critical experience into my growth and loving the event. For sure. I mean, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. It's obviously one of my favorite movies like of all time. I have um, a couple of signed pieces from David Naughton. Like I have a, a vintage Fangoria magazine of American Werewolf signed that I went to Spooky Empire and got signed by David Naughton and was like freaking out. I went to go meet him. And he's like, do you want a picture? I'm like, I don't have my phone. <laughs> so I didn't get a picture with David Naughton. I was so upset. But yeah, it's it's been one of my favorite movies since I was, oh God, like eight or nine years old since my mom showed it to me. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, when I found out it was at uh, Horror Nights 23 and I couldn't go, I was so upset. And then I found out it was announced for 25 and it was just like, again, like waking up on Christmas and just finding out that you got the best present in the world. Um, and yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't remember how many times I went through this house. It's such a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Just like <laughs> the Halloween Horror Night spirit and kind of the mantra, just because it's the only major Halloween event um, on this scale that is changing all of its attractions year round. Yeah. And this is something that just due to 24 years of that reputation of once it's gone, unless it's coming back in a compilation or a sequel, it's gone. Mm hmm never expecting to have the opportunity to walk through this thing 
And then getting the reveal of that, even despite my anxiety and fear <laughs> of going to this crazy thing for the first time, it was it was just so special. Like John Landis, our Lord and Savior, John Landis <laughs> smiled down upon me that day and he said, go forth, my child, go go forth and experience an American werewolf in London. Um, <laughs> I feel like Quint and Matt did mention it when they originally talked about this house during their HHN 23 mm-hmm. uh, look at, but this is a house that Universal wanted to do for a very long time. Um, the, the code name for this house back in 23 was actually Trinity, which is um, basically that ties to this was their third time trying to do an American werewolf in London. I think 2008, they tried to do it in 22 and then they finally brought it back or were finally able to do it with the puppets in 23. That was the thing that sold the deal to John. Yeah. And then I believe, which is re- it's pretty much the same oh, go on ahead. from, sorry, I believe it's pretty much the same house from 23, except for maybe the addition of a couple of more puppets. Yeah, I think it's actually only the one werewolf that's been added, but the Mm -hmm. werewolves have been tweaked and fine-tuned. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably because they had a little bit more time. Not only did they have the entire run of 23, but as long as my history is correct here, um, HHN Hollywood actually did American Werewolf London for their 2014 event, and then they brought Mm -hmm. it back here for 2015. So we had three years of an American Werewolf in London, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, Which hasn't really happened to any other franchise unless you're, like, including American Horror Story or Stranger Things or, uh, God forbid, Walking Dead. Yeah, I mean, Walking (laughs) Dead's about it uh, because they've hit everything. But you're right. As far as like a major IP, especially as far as a movie, yes, there's been repeat films or repeat adaptations of those movies, but definitely not in subsequent years. We have Halloween, what feels like, well, what is every other year um, between 24, 26 and 28. But at least there was a year buffer between that. I guess you could give it a little bit of leeway because it was only on one coast at a time. Makes it a little bit more special. But they're also based off of different movies like sequels and stuff like that. Whereas American Werewolf is just the one movie. Yeah, yeah, that's completely fair. And even The Walking Dead did adapt and change, uh, whether it was a greatest hit style house like they did for 26 or if it was adapting the new season, Mm -hmm. it did shift. Very good point. I feel like it must have been such a like a smash hit during 23 that they thought they were going to need the plaza queue um and then they obviously didn't because anytime i how many you only went once during 25 right yeah i'm pretty sure if this is i think if this is what you're about to ask i think i only waited about half an hour yeah and my first night of hhn we didn't actually get there till about eight o'clock which would have been the busy time yeah it honestly i never really saw that queue go past an hour ever even during like a busy busy night which is which i think is interesting because like that brings up a, a fun conversation about how do we think if the two, well, three in this case, but we're going to talk about the main two that were open for um, the entirety of HHN Light. How do we think those lines are going to be for something like Bride and Two Fairy this year, considering the hardcore audience had a chance to see it several times already? I think they'll still be considerably long because they're still up front at the front of the park. Usually those yeah. usually have a long wait. Agreed. Well, so we're talking about how cool it is to walk into our favorite horror movies and this opening <laughs> walking into the soundstage and the ambiance you've got the sound pumping and seeing the facade of the slaughtered lamb how cool is that like it's literally one of those like chill inducing moments. even watching the walkthrough which 
thankfully, you know, this was pretty recent, so it is high definition. It's just low light isn't as good as it is today. Yeah. You can still tell what's going on, and I still get little bumps <laughs> because it's like, oh my goodness, like they completely nailed this thing. And I think that's the keyword of this house, right? Uh, well, two keywords. It, it's passion <laughs> project is what comes to mind. Yeah. It, they really do they do such a, a like phenomenal job of building that atmosphere before even like throwing a scare in your face because i think you make like two or three turns before you even get to the first scare because you get to the slaughtered lamb you go into the slaughtered lamb they say a couple of lines and then you turn another corner and there's finally um jack being attacked by the werewolf and it, it it yeah. takes a minute before actually like getting that first scare. I think it's so good. And, and that's one of the uh, we're talking about HHN, something that I feel like comes up in a lot, especially for the local audience is their favorite triggers. And mm. because this movie is so close to me and you, excuse me, what's that star on the wall for is burned into my memory forever. <laughs> and I think it was because it had a pretty short reset timer. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it was nearly <laughs> I don't think it was nearly as often a as great party, isn't it? But <laughs> it was pretty darn close and it was pretty loud. You could hear it as you were walking into yeah. the moors. But it, it did set the tone of for me, it was that, oh shit, oh shit, like I, I'm actually doing this now. It's a constant flowing thing. And you know, like when you're really nervous, uh, it's it's hard to think back now, but just like that first time going through a haunted house and you basically, you're not covering your eyes, but you basically <laughs> shut off your peripheral vision so you don't <laughs> make any contact yeah. with anything accidentally. That was basically me, my first walkthrough of this house. My least favorite thing is making eye contact with scary actors. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to smile and say hello? Or am I supposed to scream at what you're doing? I mean, like, <laughs> what's happening? I think you flirt with them, but that's that's just uh, you know it's an idea. We'll we'll save that for run, I of will, course. Uh, but uh, I will bow and then move on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's yes. Show respect and keep moving forward. <laughs> so you brought up you're exiting the slaughtered lamb and you're going into the moors, and this was my first experience of experiencing an outdoor section in a Halloween Horror Nights house. And I just remember like the precedent had been set up. Oh, like these houses are so well built. Everything is so elaborate. You really feel like you're there. Mm -hmm. And the Moors to me, I think it was part of just being so scared and like being excited. It was all the rush of emotions, adrenaline at an all time high. I'm pretty sure my heart rate was like 264 (laughs) or something ridiculous. Um, I ran through this like Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, But like, this was my experience of like, holy crap, I feel outside. Everything from the, the temperature to the sounds to everything that's going on. I remember mm-hmm. the mossy statue. All of that was like, I am in a different place. <laughs> I did not just walk into a soundstage. You got transported to another world. Um, that's exactly right. But yeah, it, it literally, it's just such a calming, the first room was so calm. And then you're literally hit with two different wolves that come at you um and that's like it's the you just have to expect 110 percent from the rest of the house yeah yeah exactly so like you mentioned you know you're going through the it follows the movie very accurately and closely as as they do but you're you're going through you're seeing um jack and david getting attacked and then the next werewolf is jack actually getting eaten by the werewolf it's really grisly the puppets were kicking um (laughs) just fantastic stuff and i actually love 
um, in the the movie documentary. If you own one of the more recent copies of American World in London, they tell the story about I believe David Nodden getting attacked uh, by the werewolf, and he just goes to town on rick baker's werewolf head and kind of destroys it so the next time rick baker is behind it and like puppeteering he just really (laughs) grinds into him and beats the shit out of him with this (laughs) mechanical head and i love that story because these puppets it is something that i i don't i wouldn't say we take for granted because every time we see it we're like that's cool but now it's more like oh it's a puppet like the lion and nightingales or, or scary tales also a lion this time it was like Oh my God, these things are doing motions that I did not expect in this kind of haunted house. Um, And the the puppeteers, credit to them, we still talk about how smooth the motion is and Mm -hmm. how vicious these werewolves look. I call them wiggly because they just look like they're wiggling. I'm imagining, can you imagine an American wiggle worm in London? (laughs) Replace all the werewolves with wiggle worms. (laughs) Oh, that's more scary than the than the werewolf. <laughs> no, it's actually you know those like uh you remember the early two thousands late nineties like ferret attached to a ball toys that they would have like a KB and everything oh like God. that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're gonna replace it when they bring back American Werewolf. Oh no, <laughs> no, it's the, the little string worms that people keep tying to their earrings. Those little things. Yeah. You can buy a full-size uh, worm on a string now. And it's, oh, it's spectacular. Man, that's awesome. I love I love uh, this generation. <laughs> so the next room, you're you're going into the hospital, once again, following kind of the, the trajectory of the movie, and you're attacked by David, who's kind of, he's got that partially transformed look, which I believe is like the jump scare sequence in yeah. the movie where he wakes up in the forest. The dream sequence. Yeah. With the Nazis. And then after that, after that, we get one of the most what the fuck moments of the movie, which (laughs) turned into one of the most what the fuck moments in the house, which is the Nazi demon werewolf soldiers. Yep. Um, So I will uh, intersect into uh, the conversation for a second. Um, I had a friend who was puppeteer in this house for a little bit. Um, According to him, I don't know if this is like a thousand percent at the beginning of the run. They didn't have the scary wolf masks yet, so they were just coming out in like gorilla masks and Nazi uniforms for the couple, first couple of nights. <laughs> I was actually curious: what were they in the full Nazi uniform in this, or was the swastika and stuff modified? I I'm actually looking at it right now. There is no swastika. It's just the the military uniform. Probably for the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're talking about the movie, you're talking about. Jewish cast and director and, and, you know, the, the German Nazi symbolism and everything like that in a haunted house, you don't really have to have it, you know? No, no, no. Yeah. It's a, it's just one of those things like you you really shouldn't have (laughs) at all, no matter the context in a theme park, Mm -hmm. even if it's Indiana Jones. I mean, if Indiana Jones can get away without it, everywhere else can too. The next room is the infamous transformation room. And this was something that it's one of those scenes where you're like, oh, my God, this is the scene from the movie that everybody remembers, whether it is just kind of from the standpoint of this is one of the biggest feats of SFX wizardry Mm -hmm. of the 80s slash period, whether it's your history with an American. uh, And I almost said an American horror story with the (laughs) horror makeup show over in Hollywood, uh, meaning Hollywood in the park, not actual hollywood um 
it's just one of those scenes that is so iconic to people. I can only imagine that they were like, we have to put this in here. How do we actually do something that's interesting with it and makes people um, have that experience? And I really think they did it the right way here where you're seeing the transformation gradually as you're walking through this scene, but they did a full one-to-one or what looks pretty close to a one-to-one representation of that iconic scene from the movie. They almost pretty much did it the way that they did it in the movie where they had the actor under like a platform or under the stage, um, just acting mm-hmm. as the head, whereas the rest of the body was up there wiggling around. Um, I don't know if the, the body in the house was wiggling around. Do you remember? I, I do. I think you were more focused on the, uh, you were more focused on the face that was groaning and transforming. Um, I was so focused on that. And I, you know what else I was also focused on? They put the Mickey Mouse telephone in the scene, which I think is great. Um, I'm looking at it now. He had his arms out. So his arms were wiggling around, but his legs were not. Got it. Um, he's got Hiya, David. to support his head and it's a mini mouse. I'm going to cancel. Oh, it's Minnie Mouse yeah. in the house? You're canceled now, Hunter. It's Minnie Mouse. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> uh, but no, the other but yeah. was like the the first horror scenes I was ever introduced to as a kid, just because my mom was obsessed with this movie growing up and she like desperately wanted to make, get me into it. So I think the first time I ever watched this movie, specifically this scene, was when I was like eight or nine years old. So I was a bit young introduced to uh to this movie but so this seeing this scene in person for the first time was uh was pretty special yeah for sure i gotta say um whether she knew it or not she really set your trajectory in life by showing you this scene at such an early age for sure and next scene of course is the subway which for my money the subway is the scariest scene in the house i think as a whole because you have that wonderful projection effect on the subway wall of the yeah. the werewolf kind of transforming uh transforming and stalking which is i i assume that's supposed to be a direct reference to the scene with the the man running away and climbing the escalator before he ultimately trips yeah. and, and i still eaten. think it's one um, of the scariest scenes in the movie in general just with the the wolf climbing down the escalator stairs just because it's impressive yeah i agree with you there um but this scene in the actual house, I think, was just so scary because this is it's so loud. You've got all the ambient noise pumping through. You've got that little touch of fog and the werewolf is was so close to you. I feel like it was I mean, I'm sure you could, but proximity in <laughs> oh, the yeah. house, everything was so tight. He was right there. You you could pet Mr. Wolf if you wanted to. And it, it wasn't frowned upon. So please don't pet the wolf. But um, <laughs> just right in your face, teeth and all. I want it. I want to take it home. I think they'd get mad, though, if I took it home. Would you scare your cats with it? Oh, Would my you God. just, like, absolutely <laughs> traumatize them? Yes. <laughs> you open the closet so they can go hang out, and then you just start puppeteering the wolf? <laughs> and keep it in uh, my shower, pull the curtain. Yes, exactly. Out. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that's a perfect game. Like, with your roommates, your significant other, wife, husband, whoever, get yourself a werewolf station outside of whatever room they have shut the door on whether they're going to the bathroom whether they're taking a shower a bath whatever and then as soon as they open that door just fucking pelt them with the roof. um <laughs> invest several thousand dollars if you loved your loved ones uh, if you love your loved ones and, and do it that's, that's what they want this valentine's day there's still time it, yeah you only got a few days you're fine <laughs> 
So the next scene is so memorable to me because this was my first, I feel like the rest of the house, I was so anxious. And like I said, I kind of had my, my side blinders on where I was not really paying attention to what was happening to the side of me. However, this, uh, the Piccadilly circus movie theater, the, the porno theater scene, one of the corpses, uh, I believe he was second row, uh, corpse completely wrecked me just like, completely destroyed me that is still to this day the most scared i have ever been at the event because that is the closest i've come to running out of a halloween horror nights <laughs> room just because that that room was one of my first oh like you walk in you're like oh wait okay like no way all these are real and i just assumed all of them were fake and it really got me it just it totally pelted me i keep forgetting that you were such uh a noob when it comes to haunted houses when you first went through this year. <laughs> it's funny because now even on like opening night, whenever, wherever I go, I'm like, Oh wow. That that's really scary. That's cool. But like nothing really makes me jump out of my skin anymore. Um, but yeah, this, this first time being my first ever house, I was not prepared and keep in mind, like it was not only my first uh, Halloween horror nights house. It was my first serious visit to an actual haunted house attraction. So I was on edge. Oh, that's so cute though. <laughs> <laughs> Little baby. Honey. Yeah. But the <laughs> Shelby, what were they showing on the, the theater wall? Did you ever look back to check it out? Oh God. I don't think I ever looked back. I, I was, the room was always so short. I don't think they ever were. Were they? I don't know. Cause I feel like I wanted to, of course they were, um, showing the the infamous John Landis uh, film kind of parody that shows up in a lot of his movies, which I believe is called See You Next Day. Mm. Uh, put two and two together there. He fits <laughs> it in. And basically it's, from what I understand, it's a continuing movie that he's fit that you can kind of splice together. Um, this movie gets the porno sequence, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I never actually looked over my shoulder in the house to check it out. No, I never did either. I don't think I ever did. It's it's such a was, tiny room too. Yeah, yeah. Man, watching these walkthroughs is just giving me anxiety. I'm like, why are these people six feet apart? <laughs> you got the next scene, which is the usher getting torn up. Not not the actual usher, but the movie theater usher being attacked by the werewolf. <laughs> and then you were out into Piccadilly Circus, out onto the streets where the cop is, uh, he you get a nice little jump scare from him. I believe this scene also features a pretty infamous Doctor Who reference. Uh, the TARDIS shows up in this scene. Yeah, um, I don't know if you would know this. Um, I feel like the gag ended pretty quickly through the run, but there was a trash can on the right. As soon as you enter the plaza, there's a trash can that would wiggle. That would scare people. It would like I, oh, that's fantastic! I, I feel like it would make like a screeching cat noise. I, I, I might be remembering something wrong, but I feel like it was from this house. That sounds about right. The infamous cat jump scare, which is now a huge horror trope and has been for several several decades at this yeah. point. But yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, it could have been this one, and it could have been um, Halloween too. I could be confusing these two houses, but we'll see. So the next uh, and final scene is you round that corner from Piccadilly Circus. And uh, before we move forward, I just want to mention Piccadilly has like the giant double decker bus. It's a really elaborate, once again, really hitting that outdoor scene. And I imagine it helped that 
if they knew they were bringing this one back for the HHN 25 uh, circuit after the success at 23, this, this stuff was totally all put in storage and then just brought mm-hmm. back out, but it doesn't make it any less impressive. Um, the final scene, you round that corner, you've got kind of like a surprise little werewolf attack, uh, replicating the alley shootout scene from the end of the movie. He's great. He's feisty. You hear the gunshots. And then your favorite, your favorite segment, Shelby, what is that? Favorite segment is when they're playing Blue Moon as you exit the house. It's just, it's boom, 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 (laughs) boom. It's well, because it's the song they play in the credits and it's just a tragic ending. Your hero is dead. And then fun little song just to end it on. It's fun. Have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of the times I, you and I've talked about previously. We've talked to a bunch of other people. Ending a Halloween Horror Nights house is notoriously pretty hard. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. How do you end a haunted house on this sort of scale um, in a really effective way? It's a really hard thing to do. But this one, they kind of have the I don't want to say cheat, but mm-hmm. in a way they have the cheat of the movie just hits a hard break right at the end with that song. And mm-hmm. they go, OK, we have our perfect ending. Yeah. I think this is honestly one of my favorite endings in uh, Horror Nights history, just because the puppet's huge. It's such a just crazy ending. The puppet's in your face. And then you get the same music from the actual end of the movie that just, it ends it just so perfectly. Sorry to like not have the right words for it, but you can, you can understand what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's perfect. Yeah, it really is. It really is. An American Werewolf in London, A-plus house, right? Yeah. I mean, you and I can go on about this house for uh, for a good while. <laughs> of course we can. But. but unfortunately, not enough time this evening. Maybe maybe we'll join our, our good friends over at HHN 365 if they ever want to do one of their infamous full house breakdowns. Ew. So going into the next house, um, soundstage 24 shared with the next house we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that had so much anticipation for it because it features two of the Titans of horror. Um, the year before we had the precedent set of Michael Myers making his first official, even though they want to claim it was his first, his first (laughs) official debut at Halloween Horror Nights. This time we have the return of two of the big guys with Freddy versus Jason. Um, so this one was announced pretty early into announcement season. It was actually announced in June. Um, June 10th of that year. And this was a big thing. Oh, what was that? I said, that's my birthday. June 10th. Look at that. That's beautiful. Happy birthday. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday to you that year. Um, But yes. So Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street returning for the first time since their headliner performances at HHN 17. Been quite a while um, for the boys to come back. Eight years in event time. And uh, I have talked about this house a fair amount just -hmm. because this ended up showing on uh, my five favorite houses of the last five years, Mm -hmm. just because this was my chance to see these two iconic characters in something of the scale like Halloween Horror Nights. Plus what Jason's like your favorite boy, isn't he? Jason is my boy out of the big (laughs) four. He's my guy forever and always. Um, So let's dive into this guy. I'll be honest. Oh, go on ahead. Um, before recording this episode, we, you and I both watched the walkthroughs again to refresh our memories. Um, watching it again, I 
nearly forgot like 90% of this house. So watching the walkthrough again, I was like, oh yeah. Oh, oh wait. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So just the whole time I was like, oh no. <laughs> I just did not remember this house. I think it is one of those things just it kind of, you know, getting into the IP era, we've had to be frank, we've had better representations of the IPs and it kind of gets shuffled on down the list. If you're removing the fact that it's these two really iconic characters, I think it's a pretty good house, but it's not a fantastic house or a perfect house or anywhere close to it. And I think that's why it's kind of fallen in the rankings a little bit as far as like, I only have so much space to remember these houses. <laughs> I've got to knock down this one a little bit. But this house really effectively, I mean, let's start with the introduction because I, it describes it perfectly. Uh, from the cursed Camp Crystal Lake to the nightmarish 1428 Elm Street, awake or asleep, you'll find yourself caught in the middle of this epic battle where the winner's reward is you. <laughs> Love those, those those like tacky headlines. They're fantastic. Um so this is, I guess let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. This is not based on 2003's Freddy vs. Jason. It uses the title. It uses the um, the marquee artwork, the image for all the marketing. But it is not based on that movie at all. It's really just like a compilation of the best of. with a Well, that's exactly it. Yeah, with a sprinkling of Freddy yelling at Jason a couple of times and the ending. He kind of yells at him like when your cat accidentally knocks a vase off your table <laughs> and you're really upset about it. But Jason. this is a big one. Like, a <laughs> Jason, not again. Um, that's what happens when you don't clean Jason's box. You know, it's been a week. Come on. He's, he's got he's to gotta exert dominance on that. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, so Freddy versus Jason, the, you totally described it the right way. It is a greatest hits house because it's it's a third Camp Crystal Lake. It's a third Nightmare on Elm Street. And then it's a third video game, um, <laughs> which I guess we'll talk about that a little bit. But this this one I give such a special shout out to because the opening room of this house is so cool. I think entering the soundstage and seeing the big sign of welcome to Camp Crystal Lake mm -hmm. and you've got that light rainfall, you've got the thunder and the lightning cracking across the sky and then Jason popping out behind a tree next to <laughs> someone he's already killed. It's it's a perfect introduction to what this house is. I feel like you're biased though. <laughs> you love Jason so much. Here's the thing though. <laughs> I just think it's real good. Is it? I don't remember. I feel I like I want to believe you. I really do. I just don't remember any of this house. Like I remember the ending and remembering if you if, if Jason or Freddy won. Like that's that's all I remember. And I remember like the underwater scene. Those are two key scenes I remember from this house. So the rest is like I'm like watching this walkthrough. I'm like it's so dark to understand what's happening. I'm, I've I've failed. Yeah. It <laughs> And, and that's kind of the thing. It is one of those houses that it's a little bit harder to give a play by play through just because it's it's basically the same settings throughout as far as, hey, here is uh, you walking through the cabins. Here's this little woody section. <laughs> like you mentioned, that underwater scene is really cool yeah. uh, just because, you know, you're you're getting something that the something that doesn't make sense in the Freddy versus Jason movie, but was introduced 
in Freddy versus Jason and a little bit from Jason takes Manhattan. I'll throw that out there <laughs> is that Jason is just terrified of water. He, mm-hmm. he can't stand water. So that, that underwater sequence, um, which, you know, they, they played with fire versus water dynamic in the movie. I don't need to give you a whole dissertation on Freddy <laughs> versus Jason, but you had the, the cabin stuff at camp crystal Lake. And then I think the nightmare on Elm street is more interesting because what I think is really cool is this house has basically two entrance facades. Yeah. Just is. one is halfway through the house. Yeah. Um, just to skip ahead into the house, you, you basically go through a little bit of kind of like the best of with, uh, Friday the 13th, and then you transition into uh, Freddy's part of the house, and you see the facade of the house with the with the twins. Oh my god, it's been so long since I've watched any Nightmare on Elm Street film, and I don't know what I'm looking at. I feel like such a failure. <laughs> you know, a great part of it is, once you enter that giant facade of Elm Street, um, with, like you mentioned, the girls playing jump rope, which is great, you have that awesome representation of the infamous welcome to prime time, bitch, Freddie mm-hmm. popping out of the TV. Yes. Wait, let me, is it in this walkthrough? See, you're bringing up parts of this house that I just, I'm like, yeah, sure. Hunter, I believe you. You can say <laughs> that I'm making it all up. <laughs> you can say that Freddie jumps out of someone's chest and quotes lines from the Simpsons. And I would believe you. Because I don't remember. <laughs> My favorite part of this house is when Freddy does the thing where he pops out of um, the skin, you know, with all the souls popping out of them, and they sing in tandem, putting on the Ritz. But it's the young Frankenstein. Then, <laughs> see, I wouldn't believe. I wouldn't know if that was real or not. <laughs> My goodness, come on! Um, <laughs> I, th- I'm telling you, I'm watching this walkthrough, and I'm like, I don't remember any. I remember the facades, and I remember the water. And I remember the ending. I guess I just just blocked this house out of my memory or I just didn't go through it enough. So just don't listen to my opinion. Hunter, go through the rest of the house for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, we don't really have to do a house or, or a, a breakdown by breakdown of walking through each one. I think this is one of those because it is a greatest hits house. You can just kind of talk about the really big scenes that are in it. Something that I did like is that it does utilize the story of Jason being manipulated by Freddy. There's a really cool scene in the cabin early on where you actually get to see Pamela Voorhees's head, um, which is shown several times to the Friday franchise transforming into Freddy's head, which plays into the come and get me Jason type thing. They more so play it as like a versus, but I think the really cool section of this house, the best section is before you reach the video game moment, which is where you go into Freddy's boiler room and you've got all these chains, like this great Sith. And that's one of the first times, I think it is the first scene where Freddy and Jason are actually showing off. So you have those great tandem scares where you're hit by Jason real quick and then you're hit by Freddy right after. And then you keep going forward and then you have the two jump out at each other. And it's, you know, uh, the director of Freddy versus Jason always described Freddy as kind of like, a cat. He's very feral. He's very quick in his movements. And Jason is a big dog, right? That's always made sense to me. And the way that the scare actors performed it, you totally see that. The agile little trickster versus just the big hulking monstrosity that is Jason. And I think that's something they captured very well. But when there's a fault to this house, it's, I understand why they did it, so they could pull off some of the more elaborate things they'd wanted to do. But there are a whole section of this house that 
it's totally just Mortal Kombat uh, <laughs> where you're watching a screen of the two battling each other. Yeah, I just I just noticed that. I completely forgot about that too. It's so just it's bizarre. I don't think we've ever really seen anything like that in uh, a Horror Nights house before. Yeah, I think it's weird because they were like, it's like, how else would you do it? And maybe it was one of those things where they're just like, hey, um, e- even in the last couple of years, we've seen the budgets increase quite a bit over what they had at HHN 25. Yes, it was the most houses ever at that time. But one of them was a repeat from something that was put in storage. This is one of the big headliners. And I think with that comes big expectation as far as what you want to see. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know what the the guest satisfaction rate was of this house, because I feel like it's pretty positive because anytime you do Freddie and Jason, especially together, that's a huge thing. But the last third of this house is a, was a pretty big letdown because you lose all that momentum and goodwill that you had harvested before. Yeah, for sure. And the ending was always, I I feel like it was always depending on what cast you had, what character won. So I feel like if you were a one-time visitor of of Horror Nights that night and you could only go through that house once, getting that certain ending where like, you know, Freddy won or Jason won, it would be kind of disappointing to you being able to only see that one ending. It's like writing star tours and only getting that one combination of million combos that you get. Yeah. I swear to God, C-3PO, if you put me on fucking Geonosis one more time, (laughs) (laughs) I never see Kashyyyk anymore, damn it. Um, But yes, I, I agree with you. I think it is one of those that's very cool. You do have a great final stinger scare with Jason popping out as you're exiting. Um, You know, you're seeing the Camp Crystal Lake sign and then Jason popping out to give you that final little moment. And um, there's just something to be said, kind of like the Halloween theme and the Stranger Things theme and Ghostbusters music is so important. And I think the music in these getting those iconic themes from Mm -hmm. Friday the 13th and a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street, that does get the blood pumping. So, yes, it's got a lot of flaws, but I appreciate it for what it is. I think ultimately this is a B plus house that I just have such a fondness for because of my personal attachment to Jason. Right. And it was obviously so good, I remembered all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Moving on. Well, Shelby, something I know you're excited to talk about. Yes. One of the big, one of the big guys. American Wolf. The Body Collectors. (laughs) An American Werewolf in London, part two, baby. (laughs) We're breaking it down again. Body Collectors Recollections. Yes. The Body Collectors have returned, descending upon Shadybrook Asylum to collect the human parts they require. Screams echo the hallways as a blizzard rages outside, while sharpened blades swirl inside. That, you know, I talked about the corniness a minute ago on Freddy vs. Jason. That's a really cool description where you're like, what the hell is this? I want to know what the hell this is. Like, a blizzard in Florida? That's incredible. I need to know what that is. And uh, I think they pulled in a lot of just average guests um, from that description alone. So kudos to y'all. And it it was one of the houses that shared the same soundstage as Freddy vs. Jason, which is uh, Soundstage 24. Yep, Soundstage 24. Mm -hmm. Um, This was the first time that... uh, uh, Shadybrook had returned since 2010, and the first time body collectors had returned since their Jack the Ripper house in 2008, Streets oh, wow. of Blood. 
Look at you. Um, just right off the bat, um, if you've been through this house, you you know that that facade and seeing that facade was just such an awe-inspiring moment. Just to be able to like pass that curtain and turn that corner and to see the snow and to see that facade as you uh, as you turn the corner and you see the Shady Brook um, Asylum. It's so good. Yes. Yeah, it is one of those when you're talking about holy shit facade moments. We really got spoiled with this one being one of my first uh, being one of the first experiences we, we've had at Horror Nights um, just really set a precedent for what they could do in these settings going forward. Yeah, I love the Jason one like we just talked about, you know, Monsters of Mayhem. Pretty cool. But this was the facade of the year. I don't oh, think anyone's debating that for sure. Like, I, I understand why people think not think, but I understand why people like the uh the jack facade more because people connect to jack and they connect to the icons but this facade artistically was just so much better and not to like downplay anybody's opinions but like this facade to me and to you was just on another level like literally it's forced perspectively on another level Yeah, yeah. And this really set the template for what I think is the most impressive facade that I've seen, at least indoor in a soundstage during my time going to the event, mm-hmm. is um, the opening of The Exorcist. Yeah. I think the fact that they, it literally looks like they built a whole fucking house out there is pretty incredible. Shady Brook, like, if The Exorcist did not do that, it would have been a massive letdown by comparison because we had seen what they could do with Shady Brook before. And Shady Brook has had cool facades uh, before, but this really pushed it to the next level, whether it's the trees, the effects kind of like the vines going through or just, you know, it's probably there's a little bit of (laughs) chill going in there. It's still probably like 85 degrees, but you feel cold. Mm -hmm. Um, This facade and um, poltergeist. Like this one, Exorcist and Poltergeist have been able to like nail that force perspective to make it look like either the building is bigger than it is or farther away, and just it's it's stuff that you hear about in like those Imagineering documentaries, um, and these people crank this shit out in less than nine months. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So entering into the house, you can immediately. This is one of, I know this is one of like your favorite like archetypes for a ghost story or a horror story, but going into this gothic setting that's like decrepit and falling apart and moldy and musty and there's a presence in it, that's the good shit right there. Like if that was a candle, I would be at Bath and Body Works every single day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's my shit. It's literally, it's a building that doesn't look like it should be uh, it it should have residents in it, but it does. And it's these, it's uh, just regular people. And then the body collectors come in and, you know, do the, they do their thing. They collect those bodies. They collect them bodies. <laughs> um, which, speaking of which, this house exclusively had a drowning pool uh, playing throughout it. Uh, the infamous song Bodies uh, echoed through the entire house 24-7. I don't know how they did it. Okay, this is a lie. Um, but I did add it to the trivia on the HHN wiki. Enjoy that wiki if you're listening. Um, go check it out. I'm just kidding. All those um, uh, but podcasts that are going to pop up like in the next couple of months are going to include that fact because you added that. <laughs> <laughs> Let the body collectors hit the floor. And it's just, it's because this was still during the Mike Aiello years. It's just him yelling, 
collectors after bodies into the mic and they just they don't like make it beautifully or, or seamlessly it's just like a really jarring transition oh god we're getting so off track uh. um <laughs> uh, this house um one of the first or it's like the second or third scare when you enter a hallway full of windows and this was the first time i think was the first time I experienced the breaking glass scare where they yeah. spray water yeah. off you and make the glass shattering sound and like blast you with cold air just to make it feel like, Oh yeah. And it was glass. And it's not even that as much as like, you're, you're kind of left to put two and two together of the, the, there's, there's like a dead person lying there underneath the glass as it's broken and it's a live scare actor jumping and reaching for you. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have all these elements hitting you at the same time. And you're like, oh, my God, this is total sensory overload. Like this house, you know, Catacombs loves its qualifications as far as <laughs> what's the hot house? What's the gore and the blood house? This was definitely the blood and gore house. But I would also argue it's probably, you know, it's hard to say in such a strong year as far as like set design. But I think this one is easily the scenic design of the yeah. year as well. Agreed. 100%. I feel like this yeah. house has more scenic and more artistry put into it than Jack and 25 years. Just because Jack felt like a uh, cacophony of chaos and um, body collectors felt like artistry. It felt good. <laughs> yeah. Lack of a better word. I appreciate that it has a very coherent storyline throughout you know it's it's very consistent as far as here's the story that we're going to tell you're going to follow it as you're going through and ultimately it ends up uh, culminating like with this giant so uh, show scene it has a story to tell and it really pushes the this is not just an adaptation of something you already know or a greatest hits we can tell stories too and i think that's something that this house did so exceptionally well yes 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 yes, yes. and body collectors is just such a uh, a staple in Horror Nights history, the fact that it got its own house during this year was really cool, especially to me not really knowing Horror Nights history at that time. To be able to like experience the body collectors in their full form was really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I'm actually trying to remember right now, but I knew that this takes place during a, a an actual blizzard that did occur in history. I believe it was the late 1800s. Yeah. Yes. 1888. I actually just found it. Thank you, Orlando Sentinel. (laughs) So yeah, I know I just mentioned it, but this is definitely the goriest house of the year. Um, I think purge has some great scenes as far as gore is concerned, but this one is just nonstop people getting their shit wrecked every (laughs) other corner. I think it's gonna And it doesn't matter. They're like they're non-discriminatory. They're they're picking on patients, <laughs> they're picking on the staff, anybody who's in the way, um, or even just existing, daring to breathe in their space is getting demolished. I think it's sophisticated gore. I think they're they're still very polite about it. They're just it's still bloody, but they're still very nice. Always smart. I believe uh this follows I believe this follows the infamous Taking Back Sunday lyric. Um, basically, if I got blood on your shirt, I would apologize. Um, and that's that's the body collector's mantra, 100%. Yeah. yeah, they stab you and they're like, oh, I messed up your, your shirt and I got blood on your cufflinks. Sorry, but I got to keep doing this. <laughs> I got it. I believe they're, they're very... 
they're very dapper gentlemen, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because, you know, the gentleman tie-in backstory. <laughs> but this is one of, so one of my favorite scenes going a little bit further into the house is the operation room mm-hmm. where you've got the, the infamous like sh- shower curtain, or I guess you could just say curtain room where you're seeing the projection of them operating on people. It's total misdirection and you're just getting swarmed by this thing. Um, yeah. that is everywhere and not only are you getting that really great gore but it's deeply physical physically uncomfortable <laughs> horror in the sense of this is cool but oh my god <laughs> oh yeah no it's so good and then I, I feel like after the scene is or after the shower curtain scene is the um <sighs> there's a proper name for it but it's like when you're in a school and it's, it's almost like an amphitheater but you're watching yeah like the observation room yeah i know there's a proper word for it but it's um back in the old olden times uh someone would like perform surgeries in front of other doctors and they would learn from him but you're walking into that room and i think this is the spine ripping scene if i'm correct yes it is yeah you're surrounded by them and you are watching the spine rip it's it's so classic it's so just chef kiss just amazing it's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> you also know that, I mean, the delicateness of the spine rip is beautiful because the scare actor um, is completely losing their shit after having their spine ripped out. Involuntarily, uh, involuntary response or not, you know, they're, they're just completely selling it. And um, I don't know, you just feel like the body collector, he knows what he's doing you don't get the impression he's not going to season the chicken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he's, he's going to take care of all the preparation for you. And uh, what I'm saying is body collector is daddy. I, I think as the kids would say, God damn it. Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of Sif going on through. You've got the dirty medical curtains, but going directly from that observation room, you're in like the cellar of Shady Brook at this point with kind of like the lockups for the, the real, um, I guess the real tough cases uh, because they didn't really believe in, in mental health in 1888. I'm guessing cancel. I'm I'm starting a hashtag. This was even like way before like lobotomies were a thing. (laughs) Don't you know the Ramones invented lobotomy? That's something (laughs) they did. But I believe this is the area where you get your infamous Jack and Eddie cameo where they were born. Isn't that correct? The babies. That's right. I forgot they were born. Those little crazy people. Baby Jack and Eddie. If you want to hear more about that, I know for a fact Patrick and I talked about that on our episode where we talked a little bit about his project Tunnel of the Damned, as well as kind of the history of HHN 25. Go back and listen, because he had a lot to say about how this fits with the timeline versus, you know, there is a story, but don't lose your mind trying to fit the pieces together <laughs> is, is basically what it boils down to. Otherwise, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Um. At some point, when uh, moving forward through the house, not to like uh, cut you off, um, you go through like the the dungeony sort of prison area, and you get to which is one of my favorite parts of Horror Nights, where they have an actor in the middle of the scene, and you have to walk around them, and they're like on, on a platform, and you get like I mm-hmm. feel like he's like the head body collector. I'm not sure about the lore, but he's got like the cool, fancy like velvet robe on, and he's just standing there watching you. As other other scare actors come at you, it's so good. Yeah, 
Yeah, if uh, if you're a recent goer and you kind of need a frame of reference, it's just like that scene from The Fallen, um, where you kind of go through that, uh, coincidentally, that catacombs, ruins kind of section. Um, that's basically how they've got it set up. But yeah, he's supposed to be like the king of the body collectors, the the archbishop of you, the pope of the <laughs> body collectors. I want to know more about their lore and like, where they come from why do they look this way why do they smile all the time what kind of cult are they a part of i want to know this shit i can give you all the answers and it comes down to hit um 1990s series buffy the vampire (laughs) they're just really extreme cosplayers exactly exactly too involved in the role completely stolen from buffy That's not a joke either, folks. No, I'm, go, uh, go do some research. So I want to say stolen because yeah. it's very public knowledge that they took the look of the the gentleman from Buffy. Because I feel like it's a at this point it's an homage from them. Because if they were saying mm-hmm. like, "Oh no, we didn't take this idea," that would be stupid for them to say. Oh yeah, I'd be super. It's an homage. I'd be super curious to see if there are really good lights on close up pictures of each of the body collectors iterations that we've seen so far since making their debut at Mm -hmm. Islands of Adventure. Like if they have tweaked them over the years to look more original instead of just pulling from that inspiration still close enough, but it's kind of, it goes back to the change it 10% and then (laughs) see you like, I wonder if it's that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 weird and i kind of want to sit down with uh i think it was laura laura sauls and um another person who did the original body collectors um i want to sit down with them and talk to them about it because i feel like i want to pick their brain about it because i really like body collectors um i just want to know more about them yeah yeah and then finally going on through here one of the infamous um, two sides of chain fence on, uh, or two two sides of iron fence. I'm sure it's chain um, <laughs> on both sides, and you're getting attacked by the body collectors. Last little hoorah, and the strobes are going. You're just getting pelted. One of those finale scares that really seals the deal of what truly is an exceptional house, a an A plus house. For I sure. can say pretty easily. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if American Royal from London was not there this year, I'm pretty sure this would have been my number one house that year. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll agree with you there, actually. Hello. All right, folks, we're at the halfway point. So the next house, we are going to jump on over to the disaster queue to talk about one of the most beloved fun houses, N- not like the clown mirror ball pit thing, <laughs> though I'm sure that would be great. Um, I would love HHN to do that, especially in today's pandemic-ridden society. Give me a ball pit. Um, no, I am talking about an actual fun house. Uh, one of Matt, our beloved Matt's uh, most visited Halloween Horror Nights houses. One of my co-hosts on Grim Grinning Hosts' favorite houses. I am talking about Run, Blood, Sweat, and Fears. Still of the night! <laughs> That's my white snake, uh, white snake impression. You've just been selected as a contestant on Run, a brutal TV show where everyday people are stalked by skilled assassins. Just remember, the more horrifying your death, the higher the ratings. And I think what's so interesting about this is in a house, in an event filled with outrageous and larger than life properties, this is the one that's most grounded in reality. Because we would totally watch a show about people getting tortured in today's day and age. Yeah, it's called Big Brother. 
<laughs> yo, yo, what we're living through right now, 1984, bro. I'm telling you, you need to read it. Like, it totally told you. Um, Run, Blood, Sweat, and Fears is a sequel to Run, which was at Halloween Horror Nights 2016. It's kind of a sequel and a not really sense because that house was more focused on Eddie Schmidt, which I know is the reason this one came back because it's got that history with Jack, but that one seemed to be substantially more dark or at least dark humor. It was an actual torture house. Mm. um, And, and that's what it was focused on very dark and grimy and gritty. And that this house kind of carries over the same aesthetic, but it's also paired against a very ridiculous setup as far as here's all the countries of the world. And look at how wacky they are. Look at those Canucks, Um, (laughs) like, like a good friend of the show here. Um, But yeah, Run, Blood, Sweat, and Fears, a lot of people have a fondness for it because this was kind of the sleeper of the event. You could pretty much see this one with a pretty low wait time anytime that you'd like to. Um, For me, personally, and I feel like I've said this before, it was not my favorite of the year, mostly because I really did not understand what the fuck I was experiencing, and I really didn't know the story, and every time I would go through, there really wasn't like that... There were the announcer up there who would sometimes stand up and like talk. Like I never got that guy. Um, I just it felt to me at the time like a really weird knockoff Hunger Games. So I mm. never really went through this house that often. And now looking back, I'm like, man, I really wish I could have gone through this house more often. Now that I know more things and more friends liked it, I feel like I I, I want to go back and experience this. But all I have are you know recorded walkthroughs <laughs> yeah i do think just like any other disaster queue house which this one is pretty interesting because that queue space had been utilized a couple times but what's really cool i think about this one is that um this the sequel to the original run being in the same location as its predecessor, which mm-hmm. doesn't always happen. Um, they usually shift around. So the fact that you got run in the same location twice, I think is unique. Yeah. But you can definitely see where they said, hey, we're going to bring this back. But how how do we make it the the comedy house of the year? That And I think we, we were seeing that just because we had had success with Leave it to Cleaver. Um, even Penn and Teller has its fans. The comedy house had, had been an established thing. And while this is a bit more of a gritty or violent take, they're like, hey, um, let's bring back Run and do something unique with it. And I give them a lot of kudos on that front. Yeah. But, you know, I got, I got derailed. But what I was going to say is, unfortunately, being in the disaster location, this is one of those houses that if you only saw it during the daytime, oh. it's it's a substantially different experience than than what you I were supposed to see. Yeah. I feel like if you are making a house in um, like that has daytime elements that, yes, your house is going to be. Um, exposed to daylight for maybe two hours. Um, play with that. Make it more fun. And I feel like that's what they kind of did with this. They they made it more uh, more hokey. Um, yeah. Than the other houses. Yeah. Kind of like giggles and gore the year before. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it kind of it worked in their favor. This is one that I feel like people remember so fondly just because of um, the great soundtrack throughout. You know those quotable moments. There are some fun triggers in here. Some fun designs. But a lot of people have a fondness for it just due to the sheer accessibility of it, like I mentioned before. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a perfectly fun, good time. 
But I also think when you're looking at the year as a whole, it's one of those that has a hard time standing up to something like body collectors that we just talked about previously. Yeah. yeah um, when I used to go to the event, I would go mainly for like two or three things and then I would go home. This was never at the top of my list. If I ever went during the event, especially during stand scream, sure. I'd go through run a couple of times because there was no wait. But this was not a house that I was actively seeking out all the time. Um, again, that was just because I didn't like it back then. And I feel bad for saying that because mm. I feel like nowadays I would absolutely love it. But back then it was just not not my not my not my drive, not my time. Sure, sure. Totally get it. Um, but it did have all the elements that I think you're looking for in a Halloween Horror Nights house, whether that is like the the kind of the the gore, the gags, the chainsaws kind of being based on something you might be familiar with. For instance, this is pretty clearly based on uh, the Schwarzenegger movie, The Running Man, mm -hmm. um, which is also about a TV show where people have to fight for themselves. It is one of those that I appreciate more on a concept level. I love that people appreciate it, but this one is kind of completely wiped from my memory, unfortunately. Yeah. And I just, quite frankly, don't have a ton to say about it. And I think that's why in the, the grand scheme of things, not only do a lot of people we talk to personally about Halloween Horror Nights are newer to the event, I just think this is one that is appreciated by those who got to see it, especially many times, but ultimately is kind of forgotten at large, which is something I think we'll be able to talk about a little bit more, at least personally uh, yeah. for me with Krampus. I think Krampus is um, quite a bit higher in people's memory than this one, but I also think it has a similar effect of people being so fond of it mm -hmm. just because they got to see it so many times during an otherwise busy year. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I wish we had Matt and Quint on to kind of refresh our memories because this was one of their favorite houses. But you and I are like, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I will hit up Matt and Quint and uh, we'll, we'll throw it on over to them and see what they want to talk about with uh, run blood, sweat and fears. <laughs> they're going to intersect to be like these mother, these fucking idiots and their stupid opinions. They're wrong. Look, they've, <laughs> <laughs> they've done it before. I've had no problem tossing it back to the old crew uh, <laughs> and, and just saying, tell me about this house. What did you think about this fucking bullshit? Um, so I'm sure they'll pop back up. Well, I'm Matt, and I'm here with, I, I guess my segment co-host, Quint, is what I'm going to call him. Hey, hello. So, Quint, Shelby and Hunter are covering the houses for HHN 25, and they got up to run, and they said they haven't been in it, or through it, I guess, enough times to give it its proper due. So, they asked two people that <laughs> they knew were fans of this house to talk about it, and he's not wrong. We're fans of it. Not at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to get in. Um, we'll get into the walkthrough quick here, but I I do want to say I don't I don't I'm not entirely sure what the community consensus on this house is, but I know for me, there's like some really significant things of this that make me remember it fondly. First, it continues the run legacy, and that was kind of it had a rocky start. The original run was right. supposed to be Eddie's house in 2001. And yep. Yeah. And that whole restructuring they did, and rightfully so, after 9 11, taking out the gore, taking sure. out the the uh, Eddie part, putting Jack in. And so it never really got its true proper start, but it did come back in 2006 with Run Hostile Territory. And 
the and and now this is the the third incarnation of it. It another thing that I really like about it. It continues the Hellgate Prison Legacy, which is which is when I first saw this house in 2004, I expected this to be a much longer legacy, like Body Collectors, like um, yeah, a couple of that other properties. But this is the only second appearance you've ever had of Hellgate's Prison so far. And I'm wondering if if that isn't due to the Eddie legacy. Um, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know either. Um, I don't know if they kind of uh, maybe. <laughs> this is going to be a weird <laughs> way to say it. I wonder if The Walking Dead, considering like three houses use parts of the prison season, I think three at least two. I wonder if that has something to do with them like not wanting to double up prisons in the modern year so far. That could be too. Yeah, that could be. But the Hellgate Prison was the setting for this so it's it combines two properties i'm already fond of and it's also the origin well hellgate's prison is the origin of old smoky which i did an entire episode this past non halloween horror night season i did the legacy and lore series and that's what i started with because i just for some reason i get kind of giddy when i see that electric chair which is a weird (laughs) statement to say out loud to somebody But it's true. Yeah, but you're in good company. True, right? Yeah. <laughs> a couple other things that make it kind of endearing to me is that it was the very last earthquake slash disaster queue house, depending on when you went into this queue yep. year. And it's it was what I always loved about that location, that venue, whatever you call it, was that you really could make it a two different experience day out of it because you could because it had no ceiling. So you could go right. in during the day and see everything. You could see every single detail, good or bad. You could even see, you know, the the mm-hmm. some things that aren't quite up to snuff, but that kind of makes it fun too. And then when the sun goes down, you see it the way it's supposed to be seen. It kind of happens with the sprung tents to an extent, but the light does not come near as through as a ceilingless no. venue. Although um, they did have some problems with that one in one of the sprung tents when they did. Um Oh, the fish boy one. Uh, oh yeah. The, um, oh gosh. Uh, depths of fear. Thank you. Um, that the entrance to that, they, yep. they tried this whole using the, the black of night and well, during the daytime, it was a very, very different experience. Yeah, that's true. That is exact. That's almost what exactly the entire run of Q during or uh, Q of the entire run of run was like if you caught it like first thing when you entered the park it was almost all right. that bright which was actually like that I, and i did like going to it again the same those same nights um uh, yeah, i mean it was pretty cool yeah and then the one last thing was it was on our unmasking tour with both you and me and me and karen so i saw this twice with the light well the lights on i saw it <laughs> empty and was able to take my time through it in a broad daylight situation Twice, so I really, right. I, I really enjoy this house for that many reasons. This house was fun. I, I it has all of the anthology elements that um, uh, Slaughter Cinema had, right? Right. Where it, it's, it's just you're running, right, yep. you know, it's strung together by the thinnest of margins, and yet every room is very different, and every room it was allowed to be like, I, I mean. 
creative must have so much fun with these anthology houses because you can just do so much in one house and it doesn't have it doesn't matter if some of the transitions are a bit jarring it's supposed to be that way you know that's exactly how i closed my notes so i'll I'll talk about that now too it does remind it it does remind me of like an hr blood and guts and slaughter cinema it's where like you said it's tied together with the narrowest of of thinnest of stories but it's still the same thing but they i mean it's still the it's still the you go in the room for room you're still in the same story but you create a story that gives you the opportunity to make every room so different. And really only can, in this case, they're really, their confinement was really only make it in the prison because after that, the story is pretty wide open for interpretation for creative. Yeah. I mean, it's completely wide open at that point, right? Like there's all right, you're in a prison and now you can just, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so the story of this is it is it's a it's i, I want to say post-apocalyptic but it's not it takes it's like an elseworld it's it's our timeline diverged so somewhere in the late 80s we have a game show it's basically the running man the entire movie in five minutes and instead of right. having the freak of the week attack you in running man it, every country has their own set of stalkers per section of the prison not only trying to get the highest kill count, but trying to get the most dramatic and exciting one to get those rating numbers up. So that is the premise of this. And we're contestants, I guess. It, c- contestants is such a weird word for this, but that's what I guess we are. Players? Players, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, victims? Victims. I don't know. <laughs> it started off, this was one of the greatest, I, I thought, outside entrances. I mean, we've, we've talked about sound stages and turning that corner and seeing great things. This was right. one where you were you went through that entire queue line and and you were hurdled or herded in like cattle and then in this case you're also herded in between these into a, the entrance of a prison through these train link walls that are kind of V-line to make it almost like into a human cattle chute to push you into this game with the run game shows drapes over it. The video of the, I believe he was the either nephew or great grand. That no, was great grand. Ah, some relation to the Hellgate prison warden. They tied that into it too. And right. then, yeah. And then into the prison and that's when things got fun. <laughs> and the first thing yes. we, first thing we saw was the big run sign, which we actually got some really good FaceTime with later in carnival of uh, graveyard just a couple of years ago. Yeah. That was really nice having that, front and center in the one part of the that maze and i agree the fir- I, like, I love that maze I <laughs> all the all the throwback stuff and it was just kind of like that's so cool exactly yeah i i i um i envy and pity hunter and shelby when they get to that year because that that is a house that <laughs> could probably be its own episode i agree because there's so much to talk about in that thing yeah um they just basically pulled the, the warehouse of props out and moved it into the sound <laughs> exactly right yeah um so in that first entrance kind of walkway it's it's an it's it's a continuation of that chain link walls it's it's more like kind of like a it's not the prison bars yet it's it's kind of these walls where the guards are there to make sure we go in there's not too many scares in here they do have these really cool riot helmets that are red skulls that are around their head not like not a red skull mask they're a really cool right. design. I've never seen them use those again, and maybe or I missed it. Those were neat. That those would have been. A, I agree. It would be a really good motorcycle helmet for a purge or something, possibly. 
uh, or purge like one, I guess. If they're duplicating a movie, they're not going to add too much in it. I think. I think they'd be nice drinking cups. Yeah, right. Yeah. That'd be good too. Yeah. And then from there, we get into our first attack room, which was dubbed the plague room. And I distinctly remember from both tours that this was specifically designed around Brazil and how Brazil tourist groups are thought of in theme parks as they swarm in and take over every, <laughs> every uh, whatever they go to, be it eatery, be it ride or whatnot. And I have experienced that, and I'm not going to say they're wrong. I don't know how many Brazilian listeners we have. I'm not going to burn bridges, but eh, I'm not going to say they're wrong. So the playroom, this decrepit, like it had this green just look to it. It was lit green, and it had like just this disgusting, sickly feeling to it. All the characters were like their skin was pussy and bubbly and gross. And then you had that character in a just weathered, gross hazmat suit that sprayed this mist fog at you, which was the actual the, the disease, the plague, the virus in right into the into the conga line, which saying that now <laughs> in the midst of what we're in is that's a little weird. <laughs> Yep. It's, um, it is kind of weird actually. Um, even, even, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's a couple of mazes in retrospect that are like, Hmm, wow. That's, that's a life imitating art. Can, yeah. Any, anything that the, that involves a virus or a plague is a little weird to look at this past year in HHN. I have noticed that. Yeah. This the is black the, and white maze yeah. from uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I'm so good with, with names. <laughs> I know, <today>. right? yeah. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Um, oh Christ! The best best maze from the black and white one. Uh, uh, Ghost Town. No, Shelby oh. was in it. The 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 French one. Oh, um, uh, it. it wasn't. Yeah, it's the black and whites. A very weird description. Um, I know what you're talking about okay. patient uh, patient uh, dead exposure patient, patient zero. zero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're, I mean, I know what you're talking about. It was mostly black with, with white and fluorescence yes. painted on it. Yes, but yeah, okay, yeah. Strobes yeah, and, and that, yeah. Was, that was based on an outbreak, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Ooh, right. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lot of, yeah. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they what they do in 30. Yeah, yeah. How they, I, I would imagine they're going to avoid those ones, I, like, like the sh- plague. <laughs> like the plague, yeah. But we're we're re- way rad. I know. Again. I'm not sure this is the coverage Shelby and Hunter were asking for, but <laughs> they knew what they were getting yeah. into when they asked us yep. to do this. So, all right, well, let's get Be to the next. What you asked? Go into the next room. This next room had some. It's not my favorite. There's some. There's this room has so many rooms that I could label has as favorite pieces. It's not my all time favorite room, but it's had one of my favorite features in it. This was the Japan room, and they had the sliding paper doors. And what I really Ooh. loved about this is that there was one in particular that would light up pretty regularly that you could catch it wherever you were in the conga line with some silhouette kill scenes on it, which was pretty neat. Yeah, it was. I agree. I, I like all of the shadow puppet silhouette yes. stuff that they've done in the recent years, even. Um, it's always, it's always a fun thing for me. Even the, the small stuff that they did in the, uh, was it the psycho house? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, when you were in the queue, you could see it in the windows right. and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. It was like all that stuff always gives me like, it's, it's, it's also like callbacks to older movies when the effects weren't that great and they could do things just in shadow and, yeah. and stuff like that. So it's always like a cool thing to see at Halloween Horror Nights. It is. Yeah. Yep. 
and I and it was effective for that room, and it fit that they didn't. I mean, it fit the design they were trying to work with, which was perfect. Um, mm-hmm. Apart for the atmosphere in there, I mean, it's kind of like these orange and red lights. They had the hanging lanterns. They had some kanji script that would glow on the walls and and fade away. And then their killer team was a kabuki mask, a uh, huge dude with the kabuki mask yeah. on in the outfit, and then a geisha killer girl so one on one side one on the other and again great makeup it was like they started with a great makeup base in costumes and then bloody the fuck out of them which is just <laughs> yeah. yeah really works well especially with the not only Harley Horror Nights in general but the idea of this this one now if we're going to have a long conversation at any point in this this house it's going to be this because I think this is hands down not only our favorite room, but I think it was Karen's favorite room. I think it was everybody that I took in 25 ended up really endeared to this room. And it was the Canada room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, what is it? Chipper and chopper? chipper and chainsaw. You're really close. Yep. Yep. Oh, chipper and chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. I always do that. I don't know why I always do that, but yeah, chipper and chainsaw were like, I, I mean, just the, especially chipper she always was literally chipper she had this shit eating oh, grin you got it the other way the around actually his <laughs> chainsaw was, oh, was you're good chainsaw. Yeah. yeah 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 um yeah chainsaw always had that fucking shit eating grin on her face yeah. and she was just way too peppy and happy <laughs> to be in you know doing her thing um it, to the point where it was actually really creepy i mean this is basically squirrely dan and katie from letter kenny when now with that history in front of me, because <laughs> because the the dude, it was this brother and sister was a, it was the idea. The dude was a he was another big guy, big bushy beard, like looked like he was bred and and raised in the Yukon, and he was pushing one of the game players through a giant wood chipper. Well, not even a giant wood nope. chipper; it was a wood chipper, which actually makes it worse. Which kind of makes the uh, idea of what his sister chainsaw was doing, which was probably making the bodies help fit into the, the right. chipper. Cause she was always wielding a chainsaw. I mean, apart from this being the Canada room, I mean, they had two big Canadian flags, but the, I just really love the design of this room. Cause they really stuck as much as they could to four, like primary color signature colors. I don't want to use the yeah. word primary. They kept with the gray for the, walls of the prison the red with the blood and that worked with the canadian flag as well and the 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 chipper the the wood chipper was that industrial yellow they were wearing yellow hard hats and of course uh, white to to, i guess you could include black because it was dark as well but they also included those prime those signature colors into the costumes of them as well this is probably one of the more um, I think cohesive rooms design wise that it just it, it like and everything in there looked like it belonged in there. It wasn't a single thing out of the place. Even the chainsaws were yellow. Everything was somewhere in that range of those four colors. I remember on that tour just really enjoying taking in every detail of this particular room with it also being my favorite characters in this particular house. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I don't remember was whether he had a mullet or not. <laughs> well, he had, a, he had a hard hat on, so it's hard to tell. He could have. I don't no, know. no, no. Actually, if you can see the hair in the back, <laughs> you're you, right. You yeah, tell. you can tell. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yep. Yep. Uh, along with all that, this had the only gat in the room, the only guest activated trigger, and that was the chainsaw that was right by the door yeah. as you left. Um, not a very exciting gat, but it was still one that uh, was there. Yep. And I've told this. You sp- had a. Oh God! I was going to say you had an interesting experience. I want to want to yeah. hear the story again. Yeah, it's awesome. I have 
told it several times, but I'll tell it again. Um, Karen and I's second night at Halloween Horror Nights together, we went to this house first, and we were, there was no one. We walked through the entire queue. We never saw a single person, and there was no one anywhere near behind us. I don't know if we were the first ones in, but we were certainly alone. And we go through everything I described, and we get the chainsaw, and chainsaw was a, she had a boo hole, so she jumped out in front of you. And... Not having a conga line, she jumped out and she did the whole sneering and the chainsaw thing. And she saw we didn't need to go. So she smiled and pointed with her chainsaw which way we needed to walk out of the room. That uh, and that's funny. the thing. It was like that smile with the chainsaw yeah, thing. Yeah. It's just like that That really defined a lot of her characters. She was just <laughs> yeah. way too peppy and happy to be there. <laughs> right, yeah. So out of uh, that room, we got to Italy's room, which was, it's it's kind of... Uh, I didn't, well, we, we didn't know it then, but it, it was almost like the prototype for, uh, um, what was it? Uh, Nightingale's blood pit last, uh, our last HHN, because it was, it, it did get the feeling of you were underground, the col- you were under the Coliseum because they had kind of the jun- dungeon-esque wrought iron, almost like a maze slash cage setup and gladiators bloodied gladiators with shields and swords were the characters there so this this did even though again you set the idea that you're walking through a prison and you never actually go down into an underground this did have a very below the coliseum feeling from what i remember uh yeah i agree um actually a lot of this this uh maze had sort of a almost an underground feeling to it for me because it was like it especially when you went through a night mode it was very dark and yeah. it was just kind of like enclosed and and even though there was no ceiling you still kind of felt that that i, I don't know like you, you felt that pressure of like you you were not above ground there was no windows there was no i think that's what it was there was no windows there was nothing that, that oh, let sure, in yeah. unnatural light or anything so that always gives you that that underground feeling yep yeah yeah that's that's definitely true it was oh, i was definitely enclosed i never that you never felt like you were had an escape route. You always had to go forward. No. And this did have the, maybe the best look at the, what the story contestants outfits were like. Cause we had a character that looked like he or a character looked like he was impaled on a grade of spikes, but then he would without warning, come charging at you like off the spikes, the spikes are actually attached to his costume. But this is like the full head to toe. We got the best I'd say head to toe, when he was in that still position. And these were without a doubt inspired by running man. I, they may even be like as identical as you can get without making, without infringing on copyright. (laughs) You know, they were, they were definitely running man inspired. There, there was no doubt about it when you get a good look at it. Now we got into my second favorite room and probably my favorite character interaction. And this was the electrical room. It was Germany's room with the Blitzkrieg brothers. And this had dangling fiber lights and strobe lights and maybe a little bit of fog for those sparks to, or to give you an idea of smoke with the sparks and whatnot. But the, the one brother, there was one in a boo hole, but the other brother is one I remember most. He was up above you. He's like about a four or five foot ledge. And he had an electrode of some sort in his hand. Maybe you know what it is being more than a electrical engineering than I am, but he would run it across this metal grate. And it would just shower sparks from that yeah. contact. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just like it's it's a negative or oh, okay. he probably had the positive charge and then they just run a negative charge through the uh, gotcha. uh the chain link. Okay. And so when he when he just you know drags it back and forth, uh, you make it out of something 
I don't know, you know, magnesium, zinc, something like that. And it'll just shower tiny, tiny little yep. pieces of metal. Yeah. And it's just shower sparks and it looks really, really it impressive. Does. And it's like completely harmless because those, those sparks are not warm at all. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they don't even have like a quarter second half-life. There's just so many of them. It looks more, uh, looks no, even, far more. Even if one actually lands on Oh, you, right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. Like it's a, it's a very cool fire. Gotcha. Um, yep. Like it, it won't. It won't burn you. It won't pit you. It yeah. won't do anything. It's just, yeah. Yep. And uh, about halfway through the season, I would, when I'd see him, I'd scream, light it up. And then I'd say, I was going to say, like, <laughs> I'll say nine times out of 10, they would. I I don't know. I can't tell you a time they didn't do that. But that was, that was my interaction. Once I, once I tried that once and it worked, I'd do it every time I'd see him if he wasn't already doing it. And that was, I just loved that little bit. Again, like simple you just explained it a simple effect but with that setting and that atmosphere was awesome i love that effect and i think that's a good example of one of the things that i really really love about halloween horror nights is that the the uh the characters will just they will get into it with you yeah. and you know they they like the interaction especially if it's uh scene appropriate yeah. sort of thing you know what i mean like if if you're not supposed to be there if you're more of a a walking through the conga line and you're supposed to be an observer to the scene it's a little different but you know with stuff like this where you know you are the fodder for this this game that they just absolutely ham it up with yeah. you it's great there was a night i yelled where's my fucking money and he had no idea what i was talking about but that's another story <laughs> <laughs> uh and to, to add this this is what makes it my second favorite room and if it wasn't for the canada room as a whole, it would be my favorite. But this had Old Smokey. I mean, they brought the... How could you not have the setting, the physical setting of where Old Smokey was born and have it? And they did. They did. It was in this room. So, And it had a... That was another good shot, actually, come to think of it, of the character um, costume, of the uh, player character costume, because it was a dummy in there. It was getting a, continuously electrocuted. So at least that, that was always a, a clothed figure. So you could see that there, too. Uh, from Germany, we go to, I mean, what's that? I'm sorry. What? Well, I was just going to say old Smokey himself is usually a character. To yeah, me. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, yep. uh, he, he's, he's a, such a staple of HHN any maze that he's in. He is a character. Yep. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now into what I actually looked up for, to kind of figure out what kind of timeline we're looking at. This is an alternate reality type timeline and it's not the United States of America. It's the corporate States of America, which again, not as yeah. funny as it was, what is it, five years ago, six years ago. So we'll see how, the, you know, right. Yeah, we'll see how history plays out. But this was the candy room. This was, this was, had to have been a, another, well, all these were. There's, there's really not a room that wasn't probably a designer's dream, but this one looked like it was so much fun because they were in the jail cells now. We got into the cell blocks and there's just huge piles of candy with, blood and guts and probably body parts mixed in. I don't even remember. Maybe even whole bodies. And, and between the kind of keeping the candy look like candy and keeping the characters, the characters in that theme, but make them deadly was it's, it was basically a will a, a nightmare version of anything that Willy Wonka would ever thought of mixed in with a little bit of Harley Quinn. Yeah. And they, and they did a great job. Peppermint and candy were the, two characters and one was very hard. Well, it's, it's, I can say she's very Harley Quinnish now, but it was well before the Harley Quinn from suicide squad. So I'm using yes. that as a basis, but 
I, but she wasn't inspired by it because that design didn't exist. But that is what yep. she kind of looks like in a pink and white blood-soaked dress <laughs> and that just psychotic, attractive yet insanely frightening smile. Grin, uh-huh. actually. The no, I know it's a full teeth smile. She, yeah. And then the other one was had the same, a similar dress, a, a kind of a, a that cute doll-ish almost costume, but she had a mask as well. And it was one of those like soulless white masks with just the eyes and a slit, like the little slit for the mouth. The, those just like almost the lack of seeing their face is worse than seeing their face in some of these characters. Yeah, I agree. Um, although I, I will say with this room, this was one of the rooms that almost took me out of it. Um, it just had such a different vibe to it from the rest of the maze that it, it almost took me out of it. Ooh, you got a boxing match going on next door? No, just, <laughs> I'll just hit my, uh, my, um, uh, laptop stand. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right though. You're, if there were one that was like, completely I don't want to I don't want to say out of style for the entire room but the one if there's one that did kind of go off the beaten path of what everything else followed it was this room you are right on that yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean it, it's not a huge knock on it right, I still yeah. enjoyed this room a lot but this was the one if, if there was any one that, that would start to take you out of it this was the yep. one because its theme was a little too bright and peppy for for a prison piece yep and that happens, and that happens in these these kind of um, like these. Uh, uh, you said it earlier. What what um, anthology anthology rooms? Yeah, like um, what was it? That cult of the beast baby. Everything yeah. everything else had a lot of detail, a lot of campiness to it. Cult of the beast baby was dark, and well, the babies were a little campy, but every all the kind of the the cult leaders or members in there in cloaks. That was probably the darkest room, and towards a in terms of mood, that room didn't have the lighthearted spiritness that I think everything else had in Slaughter Cinema. So you always got that one room that's a little off from the rest of the story. So that's not uncommon. No, it's not uncommon. I, I was just saying, like, I right, was yeah. acknowledging the elephant oh, no, in the room. You right, know? Yeah, 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 I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. So after... Like I said, it was it was not bad enough to take me no. completely out of it. It, <laughs> right. was just, it was just one of those things where it's like, whoa, brightness. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Color, lots of color. That was the other thing, too. Color. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So after that, if you managed to survive, to survive all that, you had to find your way through this tarp-strewn chain-link maze that hid the run chainsaw team. I'm not going to say the drill team because they were, and I believe are somewhere else in this. And after that, you finally exited to what I wrote as safety with a question mark in parentheses, depending on how you look at it. And that is the that is the end. I was going to say that is the run through run, but I already said it. So there you go. You know, I always, uh, I think in my notes, I always said the, the run rhymes with fun. Yeah. And it, it really, it really is just a, uh, don't think too hard about the, the story. Don't think right. too hard about uh, anything while you're going through it. Just absolutely have fun at the sheer uh, bizarre audacity that the, the creators had when they, when they put this together. And and yeah, just just have fun with this one. That is that is the 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 biggest thing about this house is that it was one of the fun houses. And there always is that uh, we actually kind of, I think we brought up almost everyone in this conversation as comparison. Carnival Graveyard was fun. Uh, Slaughter mm-hmm. Cinema was fun. HR Blood and Guts. There's always that one fun one 
even though I mean this was relatively gory as far as design. Yeah. Like there's blood everywhere on the walls and the characters are all blood soaked. It was still fun. Like I never this was not oh, one yeah. that ever scared me. There's there was always startles, the jump scares, but there's nothing nothing that really disturbed me or scared me or whatnot or gave me that moment. But yet I went through this a ton of times because it was a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I think disturbing was some of the, the uh, and like I uh, talked about with, with Chainsaw, like some of the, the characters in this room were having, or in this maze, were having a lot of fun with this, rightfully so, but it came through as very, very uh, kind of uneasy feeling that somebody's having that much fun chainsawing bodies apart or, you know, <laughs> yeah. doing whatever they're doing. And it was just, that was kind of an unnerving piece as you're going through it. But yeah, other than that, there was no real scares or, or, you know, anything that made you feel uh, uneasy. You just, it was just so much fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that is that, and oh, go pretty. Ahead. It was really pretty. Yeah. I was going to say it was really pretty. They, you know, they, they paid attention to detail in, in almost all of the rooms really, really well. Um, and just, yeah, I, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do love this house. I'm glad Hunter gave us the opportunity to talk about it. So I had a lot of fun revisiting yeah, it and talking about it again. So, all right, I guess that's it for our segment. The only need us once every four shows for about 20, 30 minutes. That's what we've been relegated to now. <laughs> all the work we put in for five oh, years. Uh, and I'm happy about it actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just listen now and, and I'm like, Oh, Wow, I don't have to do any of that work anymore. And exactly. You should be even happier because you had way more of the work. <laughs> yeah. No, I was actually very excited to be part of this. So I'm glad I'm glad they reached out. So thanks to them. And I'm looking forward to the rest of their coverage of this year. So we'll turn it back over to Hunter and Shelby. But here, let's go ahead and hop into something that was one of consistently the longest waits in the entire event. Um, this house was always packed, always busy, and not to give it away, but I think for good reason. I'm talking about Insidious. It's Enter nice. the further and travel through all three parts of the Insidious saga. Denizens of the afterlife try to find their way back into the world using the living to guide them. The house isn't haunted. We are. Dude, I gotta say right off the bat, this house was so good. Just so spooky. I loved it. There's... I, I hate to say it like this, but there was no reason for this house to be that good, yeah. to be frank. Um, Insidious is a franchise that I like. I know a lot of people love. I think they're perfectly, uh, well, to be, I, I don't even think they're, they're perfectly fine. I actually think they're really good movies, but like this house just really nailed the tone and what people liked about those movies. It was coming at a time where people were still super excited for the movies. Mm -hmm. And from the introduction um, with the red face demon on, they just completely nailed what people wanted from this. Yeah. Um, it was fun. It was scary and legitimately unnerving at times. Yeah, for sure. Especially when uh, they push you through these really tight corridors and you have to like focus on where you need to go what's going to pop out at you and sometimes something doesn't pop out of you and you're just left with that lingering feeling of like, Oh fuck, what's going to happen next. But the triggers were so good. Like, um, not to, I mean, be spoilery, the, the scene with the, the two women in the lot, the living room with like the gun, like the, the, the ghosts. I think there were ghosts in the movie. It's been a while where they're standing there with the shotgun and she's doing ironing and they're, 
mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. It was just so good. The actors yeah. and it just I'm gushing. I'm gushing. This house is great. <laughs> I you know what I think I think what not only was the cast great in this house consistently, like special shout out to the cast who really nailed this role. And I think that in tandem, like it was the perfect storm of being a property that people were really excited for being something that people were legitimately scared of and the scare actors able to feed off that energy already Mm -hmm. being a good cast already. This totally deserved its reputation. And I feel like it's one of those that kind of gets looked over because it's one of the, the modern movie adaptations. Yeah. And I feel like not that it's been forgotten, but it just doesn't normally come up in conversation a lot. I think this really did kind of set the, if, if Halloween was a huge crowd pleaser um, in this neck of the woods last year at the event, Mm -hmm. then insidious really kicked it into high gear. I think for a lot of people. Yeah. It it was one of those movies that I didn't think was going to make a good house because it was, it wasn't a really jump scary movie. It was very down to earth and yes, there were some ghosts, but I think they kind of did it um, tastefully. If you know what I mean, they did they they took the story from Insidious, which felt more down to earth and spooky rather than jump scary, and they turned it into a house that was pretty uh, representative of what the the movie did. Yeah, totally. And I I just think that something this house does really really well. You kind of talked about it as far as the anticipation of ooh, I'm ready for this person to jump out, but I'm not really. <laughs> something that this house I think does consistently well is it didn't matter that you knew where the scare locations were because they were still able to nail you every single time. And I think that's uh, once again, it's just a combination of not only the, the scare actors, but giving them the room to get close, but also the room to breathe where, Oh my God, I'm approaching. I'm approaching. It's like Russian roulette of scares. Yeah. And it just worked. (laughs) Yeah. It was great. Um, If you ever went through this house uh, right after stay and scream, and your eyes weren't adjusted to the darkness, you can find your way anywhere in that house. You, you had to touch people and scare actors and apologize and find out where you were going. And that just made it so much better. You let your inner Velma out. Yeah, <laughs> my glasses. <laughs> my glasses. I can't see without my glasses. <laughs> let out a couple jinkies on the way through. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, but I mentioned like, it. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, going ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we pretty much surmised um, the house, mostly because it was a pretty good adaptation from the film. And there's really not much more to talk about it than that. Um, it was in a sprung tent, so they didn't really have um, too much of like setting to work with. They did have the facade on the outside, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of a couple different scenes, like... You're, you're, you were talking about the tensions, uh, tension and anxiety, mm-hmm. but like when you're going through that kind of like blacklit section with the drawings on the wall yeah. um, that the kid did with like the demon and everything, that was great. Um, but something that we did miss that I feel like if we didn't mention, uh, if we didn't mention, we would be kicking ourselves over. <laughs> the outdoor facade of this yeah, was yeah. gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Where you enter, like, you don't enter the front of the house. You go through, like, the back, like, garden area. You go through, like, little gazebo. Not gazebo, but the archway. And the fog is, I mean, they always have the fog, but it, it just created that that atmosphere that was just so good. And I honestly sometimes forgot I was entering a tent house just because they, they built up that facade and entered it. Just, it was, it was flawless. It was good. 
Yeah, this really started the, you know, there were a couple of home runs before, but I, for me, I think if Insidious has a legacy, it's that it established, it, it, it established that it's not the location that ultimately matters for the house. It's how that location is utilized. And for a property like this, which is supposed to be, you know, the size of a normal home hallway and things mm-hmm. getting in your face and making you uncomfortable, a tent was... I don't think this house would have been nearly as effective if it had been spread out on the scale of something like a soundstage. No, unless they did it sort of like a, I keep bringing up Poltergeist, unless they did it like a Poltergeist where they expanded more on the original story and were able to like flesh out things. But I feel like them being able to use the tent uh, worked in their favor and making it more claustrophobic and tight. The uh, I guess a couple of other things, the scene where you're actually going into the further doing the the kind of restricting black walls, that was excellent. That's something that's always going to stick with. It's hard to imagine in like today's landscape, something like that. But that was always very cool. Um, What's that? I, I always remember this. And I some people pointed out to me that like I was wrong. I was right. Were people actually like reaching through those black curtains? those black mesh things and like touching you you know the thing is as i've heard various reports um i don't actually know if it was hey if you were a scare actor <laughs> in this house and no um actually kenneth if you're yeah, listening to this, please message me. <laughs> um but if if they were actually people i think that's impressive i always assumed it was like a uh i i think i was told previously that it was basically like a pool stick that was attached to a mechanism that ran along the side of the walls and kind of like reset like that. Um, but I imagine if you're if you're a scare actor backstage and you're walking back to break or something, maybe you do just kind of like shove your hand in there, right? Like give somebody a real good fucking scare. Like maybe maybe I'm assuming that's why there's conflicting reports. Because, but uh, I do think that's that's interesting. I'm gonna go off a, on like a semi tangent. Um, I don't know. This is me and my dumb baby brain um if those curtains were inflated at the beginning of the run to make it a claustrophobia hallway like uh, hunter did we go through one at netherworld the inflatable walls oh man because i i yes we did yes we did because it was near the finale before the vomiting vampire bed and if you don't know anything about (laughs) netherworld that probably sounds completely ridiculous to you because to uh in regular haunted houses, that's a very common thing, the inflatable walls. But to me, that was the only reference I had for you. Um, and I feel like maybe they deflated them because it's Horror Nights and people going to Horror Nights are dummies. I mean, average guess. Yeah. No offense, but, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, and they deflated the inflatable tunnel to just make it less claustrophobic for people to, like, push through. Um, and then they made people putting their hands through them that's my only i I feel like i remember that being an inflatable tunnel that you had to squeeze through but i again i could be big dumb baby brain just remembering it wrong so (laughs) well that's all right you know what i've reached out to my correspondent so i should have an answer in just a few (laughs) seconds as far as what it actually was but i do have just kind of something that i know they've used those really thick inflatable walls because they used it for bloody mary's icon house um, that year going into kind of her area yeah um, they did those like 
big inflatable walls. And because of that, I believe they were so inflated that people had a hard time getting through them. Oh, I hate um, it. So it doesn't surprise me that they, they did something else. But they are probably my least favorite thing at haunted houses next to the um, electrified walls. And if you know what those are, I'm sorry. <laughs> people will like haunted houses will yeah. literally put currents into the walls. So if you touch it, you shock yourself. Hate it. Um, but yeah, I feel like nowadays those, uh, I think they're claustrophobia tunnels or claustrophobia hallways um, don't fly too much with the uh, average crowd at Horror Nights these days. Um, regular haunted houses, sure, but like Horror Nights can't do that anymore. Shelby, are you ready? Oh. I'm about to open the envelope. Oh. We have an official answer. Oh, we do. Do it. Tell me. From, from an inside source. The answer is... It was a machine. Damn it. They were pool noodles spinning around on a rotisserie type contraption. Damn, I thought I felt like intimate with a person, like touching their hand. <laughs> I've got a, I, I'll double check after the show, but I am curious if anybody on their way back from the break just completely stuck their hand through it. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's the uh, most fun fact. Um, so an additional fun fact for you. Um, that room was affectionately called the touchy feely room by the cast. <laughs> I, oh man, I, again, it could have just been me remembering something wrong and thought the room was inflated, but oh well. Well, I'm sad they weren't real people. <laughs> that would have been the best Look. job to have, though, to be paid, you know, 10 bucks an hour just putting your hand and touching people. <laughs> Just, it's, you know, I think it's appropriate that it's so close to Barney, uh, rest in <laughs> peace, because. Um, <laughs> I love you and you love me and, uh, we're a happy family. Um, touchy family. just absolutely beautiful. <laughs> the touchy feely room. <laughs> oh, that's so good. But, uh, yes, shout out to, shout out to our good friend, uh, member of Pangolin Orlando theme park, super band, uh, Kenneth for that information, Thank who you. I believe his role was the burned man in the house. Yeah. So shout out to him. I think that was his first role. But yeah, insidious, We've spent a good amount of time on this insidious great house. Yeah. I, I do think this is one of those A plus adaptations. Facts. All right. What are we on to next? Are we on to uh Well Scream? We're <laughs> we are on to one of the most infamous houses in HHN history. And I think this one deserves a pretty detailed conversation, at least for a little while. Um, of course, I am talking about the purge, which was at the uh, that was actually a tent location as well, um, just a slightly different route because it went through animal actors that, yeah. that entrance yeah. all the way back to the tent. Um, back they in, weren't I, utilizing the the MIB entrances uh, for both houses back then. Yeah, back in my day, um, we used to have to walk all the way down to Barney to get into the tent houses. <laughs> <laughs> back in my day, you kids are so spoiled. Um. But, you know, now with the two parade buildings, yeah. they kind of have to change it. But I totally get what you're saying. Back when... Um, uh, but yeah, The Purge. Yes. The Purge. This year's Purge is more brutal than ever. From the moment you step inside the house, dozens of vicious vigilantes will descend upon you as they exercise their right to purge. So... Yeah, I like the sunglasses just hit my head. The sun's rising up over Miami. (laughs) I'm going to go straight into this. So this one came out after 
I want to say the second purge after um, Anarchy. Anarchy. If, if I'm right. Which is still the best purge movie. It's facts. Yeah. Frank Grillo can get it. Um, it was, uh, but it was such a thrown together house that it really doesn't fit with any of the movies. It's more so you are entering a house that is being purged, if that's the correct way of saying things. Yes. So, you know, this was the Purge franchise um, had already had a, a station at HHN for a couple years now um, due to the scare zones. This was the first time it was a house. And what's interesting is this kind of set the Purge template, which is this isn't what we had intended, but hey, <laughs> this is what you're going to get because that other thing didn't work out. And as you alluded to previously, it's very widely known that this was originally supposed to be Scream. But um, this I'm is not some insider information we're giving you guys where it's like, ooh, you know, they're separated enough. Everybody knows this to the fact where if you search HHN25 on YouTube, one of the first results that comes up is HHN25 unaired commercial, which prominently features Ghostface. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately it's unconfirmed by the company because, you know, they can't really say anything, but if you go through the house, there are scenes from Scream, like straight up the popcorn and the hanging body. It's just straight up have the popcorn on the stove for Drew Barrymore. Um, you have the hanging in the garage that's in there. You have the bedroom scene, um, where, where, excuse me, um, yeah, I almost said Nancy, uh, where <laughs> Sydney is getting chased upstairs by, I believe that one's supposed to be Stu. I don't have my my whole thing together. But yeah, everything is totally the purge. And it's such a shame because if you, it's less so in walkthroughs. I think it's one of those things where if you're watching through a walkthrough and you have no idea, you're like, oh, this is, this is the purge. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. going through people's houses. They're in the streets. That's cool. But walking in, if if you actually walk through this house, even if you didn't know it was Scream, you kind of had a feeling of, what the heck is this? Like, this feels weird. Why does this feel so weird? And for those of us who knew that it was supposed to be Scream, um, like I said, this was my first year, but just kind of from talking to people and, you know, being involved in the event, I knew what it was supposed to be. And you could feel that from the moment you entered. Oh, my God, this is what this was supposed to be. Yeah, and... Uh, for me, coming as a huge Purge fan, like Purge 1 through 3, I haven't even seen the, the latest one, the the one on like Staten Island. I haven't even seen that. But like uh, 2 and 3, specifically, specifically Anarchy and Election Year, they're like two of my favorite like action-y horror movies. Um, for me, mm-hmm. coming as a big fan of those movies and going into this house, I was like, well, this isn't, this isn't really Purge. It's just like a house with people yelling about purging and then there's nffa and i'm like oh well okay it's a really it's kind of a letdown on all angles but it was fun it's a house that if you're like three drinks deep it's great (laughs) yeah i will say i think this is i i do think this is one of the straight up scariest houses that was at the event this year just because it was consistently disorienting um the the constant use of strobe, which I'm guessing is to kind of cover up some of the sets, is it, it was consistent usage throughout, and it really kind of covered things up. And just, you know, we were talking about the Scream connection, but not only do you go into the kitchen, but something I wanted to mention before we kept going is not only do you go through the kitchen, but when you exit, 
you even have a perfect mannequin of Drew Barrymore's yeah. character hanging from a tree, just like she does, yeah. except they just put a, um, if I remember correctly, they put a cheater sign over her. Yeah. So that's why she got purged. Um, but yeah, this house, it's, it's such a shame because I do think scream is one of those that I always like to talk about. What is your big iconic horror representation of each year? As far as adapting a beloved movie, um, this house had it. I, I really think it was, it was there mm-hmm. and it's such a shame that they had to go in, knock down walls, spray paint over things, cover things up when it was, it, it would basically be like, I mean, this is a little hyperbolic because it's, it's hard to imagine them retheming them, but imagine them having ghostbusters and then losing ghostbusters the month before the event. Oh, and then it just became spooky ghost guys um (laughs) or or actually what if they turn that into the insidious house what if they tried to turn ghostbusters into insidious that that, that's a better example with the puppets that they had had it could have been american werewolf in new york (laughs) basically yeah yeah it's the unofficial sequel i mean i'm down (laughs) uh american wiggle worm in new york uh wait uh british werewolf in new york oh there you go. he's a very polite werewolf <laughs> like he's gonna eat you but the entire time he's like cheerio mate very sorry about this <laughs> oh he eats with the, a knife and a fork <laughs> i'm so sorry to the uk listeners i don't mean that feel free to make <laughs> fun of so me um they're fine <laughs> <laughs> but this house is hard because i feel like it it less so has really iconic scenes going through it more so it's just a continuous like oh there's that and now there's this and then there's that and then there's this and it just kind of all blends together as far as the purge the purge the purge the purge which i think is just a problem with that property itself i still don't think this is a bad house despite everything that's been tossed at it i've seen some people toss this like in their tier list to like the d range or the f range I don't really understand that because I still think it's a pretty consistent house as far as the entertainment level. But as a whole, I think the purge as Quinn and Matt have discussed several times is (laughs) ultimately so much better suited for the streets. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Like again, the anarchy and election year, are like two of my favorite movies Um, for me to go into that house. And again, to bring in that perspective of a guest coming into the event for the first time, and expecting purge anarchy, this was not purge anarchy. This was just people in mass shooting guns around and a couple of TV screens going, it's the purge, and that was it. So I'd be kind of disappointed. So yeah, it's definitely a, a franchise that is meant for uh, New York Street. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, any final thoughts on the purge? Um, Just that, it, I, like you were kind of saying, it was a fun house. Um. I did enjoy going through it, mostly because it was a, like an adrenaline rush the whole time. Um, but it, it's not up there on my list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something I did think that was interesting is there are various reports of this house featuring what's called a plant mm-hmm. um, in the house. Um, I'm a big fan of ficuses, personally. Um, but sometimes, you know, cypress is fun. But what they're talking about in this instance um, is neither of those two plants. They're actually talking about a human scare actor. Hmm. Um, and that's something that I think was a really cool idea to kind of spice up this house. But basically, um, 
And once again, this is something that I did not personally experience, but a few people have told this story. So I want to believe like I'm, I'm going to let my X-Files moment um, shine through. But this this scare actor um, portrayed usually a, a woman who said, oh, my goodness, I lost my boyfriend. I, I lost my friends that I was with. Um, I'm so scared to go through this house. Can I can I get in line with you guys? And if you were the party that was selected, you know, it, you, yeah, like mm-hmm. 99% of the time, people are going to be like, yeah, 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 come on, get in with us. We'll, we'll take care of you. Hmm. So as you'd go through the house, girl, very scared, freaking out the entire time. And then once you reached a certain point in the house, the plant, um, this girl would actually be grabbed by one of the scare actors, pulled into the show scene, and then have her throat uh, slit. And then they repeat the cycle. It's just a really cool idea. And I feel like this is one of the last years. I mean, HH and 25 was already huge and popular, Mm -hmm. but probably one of the last years they're ever going to do something like this. But once again, it could be an urban legend. Yeah. I want to believe in it. (laughs) I think it's cool. That is the first time I've heard about that. So that's fun. Um, I always that that should be your job, Shelby. Be a plant and. You should be a plant. I mean, I know enough people. I could do it. <laughs> I think you're a Venus flytrap. Uh, I'm a hibiscus. And also... I love- oh, okay. I love getting hibiscus. <laughs> but most of the time, I'm a low biscuit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need my Sarah biscuits. <laughs> I just... I always equate this house to 26, and I don't know why. It just feels like a house that shouldn't belong at 25. Yeah, yeah, it does feel weird. And I, I I, mean, as the story stands, as is not an urban legend, but as we know, um, it doesn't fit at 25. It wasn't part of the game plan. Nope. But uh, I think what we're about to talk to, uh, what talk about next is uh, even worse. If you want to. We are going over to, we're going over to the best house of this event year. One that uh, you might be thinking, an American Werewolf in London. No, we've already talked about that, doofus. Weren't you paying attention? (laughs) No, I'm talking about The Walking Dead, The Living and the Dead, which I'm just going to say this. I'm going to start out. That's a really stupid title. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I can't stand that title. Oh, I'm telling. (laughs) (laughs) The Living and the Dead. You didn't have anything better than that. It's so bad. (laughs) What would you call it? Just off the top of your head. Give me a better title in five seconds. Um, The Walking Dead uh, Terminus. That's it. That's beautiful. All yeah. Beautiful. Because it's based off the season. I would call it The Walking Dead Season 5. Yeah. 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 Or like The Revenge um, of Terminus or like Enter. Oh, Enter Terminus. There you go. You're welcome. Oh, perfect. That That's even better. I would even do like a little skull emoji yeah. next to Terminus <laughs> just to really sell it. Uh, but The Walking Dead, The Living and the Dead, from the burnt ashes of Terminus, through the flooded community food pantry basement, and into the darkened churchyard, hordes of walkers surround you as you relive gut-wrenching moments of the most recent season. <laughs> um, so, I will say right This, is, the, this I, is a house. Listen, right off the bat, before we start talking shit, um, <laughs> the opening scene with their slit in the throats at Terminus, I hate that hate it in a good way like it's like that was the part of the season where i was like oh my god these people are eating people that's terrifying and for them to include that in the house i was like oh that's pretty cool and terrifying and then it goes downhill from there 
I'm actually really glad you're here because I stopped watching The Walking Dead after season three. So oh, this wow. is outside of my realm of knowledge. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. After after the governor, um, I was pretty much checked out, which is funny because I did follow the comics, um, but I never saw anything after that moment. I but um, I think I stopped after season six when it started to get to like um, Alexandria, Alexandra, that one city. I, that sounds right. Where, I, yeah. where Negan was introduced. I stopped watching it started getting just boring but yeah this house is one of those where um the most common story that you hear about this house because no one actually knows what the hell happened in it is that it's just a house where it was so dark opening weekend and then it was so light to overcompensate for it that all anybody ever talks about from this house as i mentioned at the top of the show is the pool tub zombies, which are the little the little kiddie pool garden tubs that they just put these poor scare actors in Man. to kind of float around and do their thing. <laughs> it makes me so sad because I, I brought this up on other episodes that other haunted houses with a way like way less of a budget than what Horror Nights is able to do have been able to create pools for scare actors to go into and people to walk over them even with wheelchairs to like go over these giant pools of water and have scare actors in them and to make it look cool this was just embarrassing it was embarrassing i hate saying that about horror nights but it was embarrassing and i feel like part of the reason that people remember this so much is because not only because this is the only thing that people still talk about but it was promoted everywhere. It was in that yeah. description I just read. It was during the media event. Like they're like, you're going to see submerged zombies and everybody's like, woo, submerged zombies. And then you see it and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> holy fucking shit. And it turns what could be a really cool moment into something <laughs> not very cool no. at all. And it wound up being um, only like there two are tubs of water with two zombies. And that was it. Yeah. I, I will say this. I bet their legs were strong as hell by the end of that event run, though, from treading that water constantly. Yeah. But yeah, just major letdown. Um, look, if you like this house, that's awesome. I've never met you or anybody <laughs> who likes this house, but that's great. I will say I'm not one of those Walking Dead haters, um, and neither is Shelby. No. Uh, we are not one of the... Now, granted, we did come into it relatively late in the Walking Dead life cycle. <laughs> totally understand after several event years, if by this point you're just like, fuck the Walking Dead. <laughs> but this was just bad. Um, this was my first time seeing the Walking Dead. Oh. Still had a marginal interest in it. I mean, zombies are cool. Zombies are fine whenever. But this just did not work. No. Um, and I think that's a shame. Well, especially coming off of... Uh the walking dead the year before the 24 which was like um the mm -hmm. powerhouse that year it was massive and the facade was big and it was awesome and it was probably the best house that year next to you know other ones that i like better but coming from that and then going to this i don't even remember the, the last half of this house i remember the terminus scene i remember the really sad water zombies and then the rest i think i was just laughing too much to remember the rest of the house yeah yeah it's really sad <sighs> yeah 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 but i will say so hhn 26 um it's gonna be fun to talk about that walking dead because i do think that they ultimately ended up redeeming themselves for this house yeah. with a really great house at that 26. was the compilation house wasn't it of all the season yeah that was the here's one more final go through the walking dead yeah that was a good one 
So I am glad that they got to go out on a high note, you know, after five event years of running. Mm-hmm. But it's just a shame that you had to have one really bad one to pull it off. But you know what? For all of us in the hardcore community, those of you listening to HHN podcasts, you're a fan in some way or another. We aren't really the, unless you're a huge Walking Dead fan, we're not really the target demographic Mm -hmm. of uh, this house either by this point. This is just one of the big, I mean, even during 25, this is still one of the big headliners that is meant to draw the general public Mm -hmm. in. And it did. It continued to perform. This is someone's favorite house out there. You have to remember, like, if we should talk a house, it's someone's favorite house. Someone out there, no matter how wrong they are, (laughs) it's their their favorite house. I'll shit on this house. I'll shit on Saw from 27. And I'll <laughs> especially shit on Lunatic's Playground. Um, Ooh, coming yeah. soon to oh, a podcast near you. I can't wait to return that house. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Next one. Um, now that we're done. The living and the dead. <laughs> yep. Wrapping up. So yeah. let's get into our last house. Shelby, what is it? Um, We are talking about a house that I, unfortunately, was not the biggest fan of, but a lot of people are. Um, You and uh, Matt and Quint know my personal disdain for 3D houses, Um, but we are going into um, Asylum in Wonderland, which which has one of my favorite facades, which is a comic book uh, facade, and you know why. but, But yeah, we're going into... Um, Asylum Wonderland, if you don't know anything about Horror Nights history, we've done, um, you know, Scary Tales and Alice Wonderland and all that stuff. Um, this is kind of a, I guess, a pseudo-sequel or just a continuation of that lore? Yeah, it's interesting because I think there is kind of this precedent set for these houses that would work as scary tales, but are also not quite scary tales in the sense of, I actually think Two Fairy is part of that lineage now. Um, this is another one. This is in tune with the ultra-violent comics uh, line Mm -hmm. from HHN, which is, I think, something that hasn't been utilized to its fullest potential yet. Mm -hmm. I'll be interested to see if that ever comes back, just because, very obviously, that aesthetic is in. People love that aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally, for me, I dig that it ties into the old EC comics, uh, Tales from the Crypt, everything like that from back in the day, before the comics code. Um, I think all that's super interesting, but... Uh, Asylum in Wonderland 3D is, well, it is what it sounds like. Follow the white rabbit through the looking glass and into a murderous 3D wonderland. Is this world all in Alice's mind or are the images we see real enough to kill us? You know what I remember most about this house? And it's such a shame to say this. I remember its entrance because it was in such a weird area. Yeah. Because they moved it so quickly afterward. Well, because it was... um. Uh, this is the first, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was the first house that they put in to one of the Shrek theaters. And mm-hmm. they put the queue at the beginning over by the music plaza. And then they realized it was too crowded by the music plaza, so they moved it back by Mel's. Or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Over by Mel's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something that I think is super interesting is that this house was continuing the long lineage of 3D houses. Um, like you said, a lot of people are very fond of this house. Uh, if you'll remember during our Fear Presents, um, our HHN 30, hey, we've got to bring back 10 houses in their locations. 
Um, you mm. absolutely hated <laughs> me, <laughs> Matt, and Quint for forcing this one in just because you hate 3D houses so much. I but them. I, y- you ultimately did understand from the point of 3D houses are important to the history. And we had I, to have that representation. I, yeah, I understand it. I understand if you're going to have, like, like we did with our episode, if you're going to have one of everything at an event, you're going to have the 3D house. But for me, as a glasses wearer, as someone who has bad eyesight, 3D houses are a nightmare. I hate them. Hate, hate. <laughs> As a glasses wearer, you said that. You said that with the same tone of voice of "I have a pre-existing condition." <laughs> I mean, technically, <laughs> um, yes. I yeah. have to pay to see. So, um, it's. I understand the artistry that goes into um, making three things 3D and how to work with your colors because if you want something to stand out other than other color, you paint it like a red or an orange or a yellow versus like a blue or a green. I, so if you want like a, your words to pop out, you paint them orange or yellow and you paint your background blue or green. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like a, an art form that goes into it, but it makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> I will say what I think is so cool about this house is for a wall that is, or excuse me for a wall for a house that is predominantly composed of black walls and like hanging sif and everything like that. The way that they filled out all that space with the paint mm-hmm. is, is actually very, very impressive. Yes. I think because none of it feels like dead space. Yes. It does look like a mini golf course here in Orlando, <laughs> but it's also, it's also really cool how they made it feel like a vibrant environment yeah. and even not watching it in 3d, you know, through, through YouTube. Um, it still feels like a realized environment, man. If you've ever worked with UV paint, it's a bitch. You have to do like five or six layers in order to have it be vibrant enough to not see paint streaks. So it's, it's a pain. Yeah. Yes. So I, I commend these people. And I think that's what's so interesting is just they, I mean, there's several great parts of this house, but like talking about the Queen of Hearts segment in particular, Mm -hmm. just all the various dots and like the perfect hearts on each one. You're like, holy crap. Yes. You know, it wasn't a physical set that they had to build, but on a sheer artistry level, you're like, holy crap. Someone had to sit there and paint all this hand by hand. It's not like you just roll it through. It's not like, you know, not to take anything away, but if you need a chain link fence for a haunted house, you go out and buy a chain link fence and you spray so, some rust on it, mm-hmm. right? Here, you're starting with a blank canvas and you were painting all of it. Oh, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, the scene with, the, I think it's the Mad Hatter who's walking around on the tables. That scene's awesome. Yeah. That's a scene I like really remember because I remember looking at the teacups and they were like floating off up the table mm-hmm. just the way that they were painted and i was like oh my god there's a scare actor there that scene was really cool but as soon as you round that corner and there's like a tv screen of i think it's like the the white queen it just takes you out of the moment because you're like it you're immersed in this uv world and all of a sudden there's a big tv screen and an exit sign yeah it's like oh okay it's the cast is bringing it here and like they totally understand what it is like yeah. the first scare of the house are two dodos running back and forth on like a trampoline they which i think favorite. is great they were my favorite part because they were birds oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're great but 
Yeah, I, I think on a sheer level, uh, th- this is one of those houses where, you know, you've got your key scenes from Alice in Wonderland, whether that's the Mad Hatter who is feasting upon the White Rabbit on his table, which I think is you oh, know, yeah. perfectly twisted. Is that um, I, whether you're talking about the Queen of Hearts? I don't want to interrupt you. Go on. But it looks vaguely familiar to the White Rabbit costume from Your um, Blood and Guts. Like a generic. The like, Feaster Bunny? Yes. Yeah. I can kind of see that. I could be dig- it's hard to tell. I could be digging too far, but it, it reminded me of that. Something that I do think is interesting is it's presented from the perspective of not only are you tripping major ball sack throughout <laughs> this house, but towards the exit, when you are getting out, you go into like this stark room that is Alice in a mental asylum and she's like cowering, surrounded by the figures. <laughs> and it gives it this really like creepy final note to end the house on where you're like that was really fun and now i'm sad (laughs) yeah it honestly it kind of ends the same way chances lunatics playground starts yeah i can see that for sure it's kind of like a reverse but also um another it's a child (laughs) like it's a literal child yeah i appreciate them not shying away from it Uh, i gotta say my favorite room in the entire house, though, is the card guards um, going into that uh, checkerboard pattern yeah. uh, with the diamonds and they're mixed in with the guards. It's another one of those mannequin rooms where you've got the live actors mixed with the, uh, you know, statues. Really, really cool. Yeah. And that being the setup for the Queen of Hearts. I just think it's a perfect little scare. That was such a, a special moment for me because my first haunted house that I ever worked in um that was one of the houses or one of the rooms that I helped put together was like a room of checkers and the person was going to be disguised as a checkered person and they drop out and scare people blended it blended into the walls. So that was a, it was kind of cool to be like, Oh, I built something like this in a ringy ding town in Oregon. And it's kind of cool to see this at my favorite theme park. <laughs> it <was> really neat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for it's, just, sure. it's just kind of cool to see that um, common haunted house, I don't want to say tropes, but like uh, practices transfer to like over the top, big budget haunted houses that happen in theme parks. So it's just really cool that it's all the same art form that just kind of transcends. It's neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tons of strobes, ton of (laughs) effects, 3D. This was definitely the headache house um, for those of us who suffer. Um, but I would also like to know if you or a loved one ever got high as fuck and went through this house. Please let me know. Oh, Seriously, I, I want to know about that experience. Never. Never. <laughs> I, uh, um, we are a family channel. We only talk about family friendly Christian content on this channel, on this uh, podcast. That's ex- that's exactly right. <laughs> Tune in to Z88.3 um, for all your Christian radio rock needs. <laughs> but yes, yeah. Well, Shelby, you know what that means. We have officially talked about all the houses oh, God. at Halloween Horror Nights 25. We did it. We did. We did. This is a silly question, but we got to do it now. What is your favorite house from this lineup? If you're going to bring back one, what are you bringing back? Oh, no, that's a trick question because, yes, American Werewolf from London is my favorite house from this year. But I don't want to bring it back because it kind of it's 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 run its course. It's good. If I were to bring back a house, it would be Body Collectors Recollections. 
Good choice. Yeah. Good choice. And that is actually underneath those same terms, because I'm not going to pick my favorite after giving you such a qualifier. <laughs> totally. I think Body Collectors, Recollections, when you're looking at it as a whole, mm-hmm. I think that is the best house from this year. Yes. Uh, we are. You and I are biased because American Roman from London is our favorite horror movie, if not favorite movie. Um, I mean, I would kill somebody to go through that house again. But if I were to bring back a house from that year and have them embellish it, it would be body collectors. For sure. For sure. What house, (laughs) what house is the worst for you on this line? Oh no, that's a, Oh man. (sighs) I know you don't like 3d. I don't like, but I don't see that being your worst house either. It isn't (sighs) walking dead. Yeah. Walking dead. The worst once again. Yeah. Yeah. Exact same page. It's so tricky because there's a lot of nuances to this because like the purge wasn't a purge house and it wasn't the scream house, but I also had fun. Asylum in Wonderland. I hate it. I hate 3D, but I like it. It's good looking. It's pretty. Walking Dead was just bad. It was just bad. It was just straight up bad. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I honestly can't add anything to that. So (laughs) yeah, right on the money. Shelby. Hmm. If you could scare act in any of these houses, one role oh, for an evening, one what role? would you pick? Uh, one role. The, you can't swap houses. The puppeteer at the end of American Werewolf. I want to run that. Puppeteer. Oh, the dumpster werewolf? Yeah. Or the alleyway werewolf? Yeah. Yeah. I want that big boy. That's great stuff. I know I'm not strong enough. Oh my God. I want it. <laughs> I'm sure you'd get ripped. I'm sure you'd just... <laughs> It's like Spongebob when he gets the inflatable arms. You're ready to go. <laughs> what about you? Uh, for me, for, for me, it's, it's Jason. Uh, that entrance facade Jason or the boiler room Jason would absolutely love to have had the chance to do that role. You would be the most wholesome Jason. That'd be cute. <laughs> oh, thank you. you, thank you. I cool. love the, the wholesome Jason trend lately with him being like a lifeguard oh and everything God, like that. I know. You would give out little hand hearts to people you know, though. Like, if you were a Jason, you would give a little hand heart symbol and then go back into your bull hole. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Only to the moms, though. <laughs> like, the mothers that I see going through scared, they would they would get the little hearts, I think. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah. Well, goddamn. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, that was... A really good breakdown, if I may say so myself. Yeah. So how do we feel about HHN 25 on a strictly house-based lineup? We talked about the scare zones last time, but from looking here, I do think we have a really great lineup. I think yeah. that consistently, this is uh, this is probably a B-plus overall yeah. as far as like I total mean, house lineup. It was a solid year. I mean, because this was your first year. This was my second year. So it was like, it was on another level for both you and me at the time there were nine houses there were a bunch of scare zones there were two dope shows it it was awesome like it it was it was just i've lost my words i can't speak anymore it was great (laughs) Uh, Mm um it was good it was it it was a good anniversary year it was my it was our both first anniversary year so it was the best (laughs) totally yeah totally agreed yeah very solid year for houses. Yeah. But we're not quite done with HHN 25 yet. We will be back in a much shorter time period than last <laughs> time to wrap up this series, talking about this event year, talking all about the shows Ooh. featured at 
HHN 25, Man. of course, Bill and Ted and the main headliner show over with the carnage returns. I'm so ready. Uh, if you want a small taste of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just excellent stuff all around. Really good stuff. We're so excited to get back to it. Um, before we close out, I legitimately just want to say um, not only thank you to Madden Quint, um, because this is our first full house retrospective. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly cool to be in the position talking um, with all of you and kind of picking up the reins from them. But um, if you're listening and you've been with catacombs for a long time, you know, Quinn Matt did a lot of episodes mm -hmm. of this show and, and Karen and all the various guests. Thank you for sticking around with this new version of catacombs. And we just really hope this house retrospective made you laugh, gave you a little bit of information and helped you reminisce. We've got big shoes to fill. Yeah. And uh, we, we hope that we're living up to that standard for you. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like as soon as we get into uh, more of the years that you and I both vividly remember, it'll start to get more in depth about more specific memories um specifically like with 26 and 27 uh with you know your zero mancer uh send me an angel um <laughs> it'll it'll definitely start yeah. to get uh more in depth in that sort of sense um but we yeah i think it will get more personal as time goes on yeah for sure. we don't want to uh 100 percent replace quint and Matt because they they'll still be coming on to future episodes and talking about other stuff. Yeah. Shout out to them with their run segment that they don't even know that they're doing that at the time <laughs> of this recording. <laughs> but yes, just thank you again for listening to the catacombs of Halloween horror nights. And uh, thank you for keeping up with us. Yeah. So if you want to keep up with the show, the best place to do that is on Twitter. You can find us at catacombs of HHN on Twitter. And you can also keep up with Shelby and I on Twitter as well. You can find Shelby over at Crypty Guts. Yes. That's the new handle, right, Shelby? Yep. Um, I will address that um, on the show, actually. Uh, Wenda Guts was based off of the Native American creature, the Wendigo, which I realized uh, further into my career, which was a little too cultural um, appropriate. It was, uh, I was appropriating a culture I shouldn't have, and I didn't know. I was educated. So now I have changed my username to Cryptoguts instead of Wendigots. And that is the same on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook all over. And I'm going to be honest, I love it. I think it's a great change <laughs> because I'm all about the cryptids and uh, I think it just completely encapsulates everything. Like, like you've evolved. You went from base level Pokemon <laughs> to final evolution because you went from one to encompassing it all. Yes, I, I, I strive yeah. to accompany, accompany, uh, encompass all of the spookies. Yeah. I think uh, I think Travis sent me a bumper sticker recently that just said I sucked Mothman's dick in a Walmart <laughs> parking lot. Um, my <laughs> friend, uh, it was Kaylee. She said uh, I, I was wearing my Mothman earrings, and she's I love Moth they. and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh man, yep. So Cryptoguts, go ahead and follow all that. More prints along the way that you're going to want to see for sure. For sure, I'm, I'm sure on that. You can follow me over at Hanbrolo77, H-A-N-B-R-O-L-O-7-7, on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Don't really use my Instagram, but Twitter is the best place to do that. We can talk all things Halloween Horror Nights. And go give us a follow and a uh, come join our group over at Shadybrook Asylum on Facebook. Yes. The group has been a little bit slower. I think that does 
I do not blame the group for being slower. The reason being is, um, to be frank, we kind of had a whole year of content <laughs> stolen from under us due to a pandemic. And, you know, anticipation is rightfully low, I think, because of that. But after this episode, if you are excited to get back into HHN, who knows? Maybe announcement season is right around the corner. We have no <laughs> clue. Could be August, could be March, who knows? But we're excited to get back into it with you guys. So once again, thank you all so much for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights Part 2 house recap of HHN 25. And just remember, if you're not screaming, then you better be still in the night! Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast and follow our Twitter account at Neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening.